0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 476. It's me, Disc Golf
1: Guy, joined alongside Johnny V. I'm Again. here, as always. Season's over. We can relax now. Live,
2: large, live-scale <laughs> productions of Elite Series events are over. Yes. Somebody else said to me today, oh, the season's over. I'm thinking, No, it's not.
1: The season is over. This, the the, 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 the Disco main Pro Tour season is over. The main
2: large-scale tournament season stars. is over. Yes, that's very true. As uh, Tickets were recently booked for Las Vegas. Uh, oh, spoiler, there's uh, some new news. I'll be at the Halloween Classic out in Las Vegas next weekend. Uh, you know, the Cho, Chain Hawk Open. Uh, I'm, I'll be going back to that. And... Then, of course, we're already starting to look into stuff for next year as well. So, yes, very much far from a completed season, but the large scale DGPT elite series and majors have officially concluded.
1: Speaking of a completed season, do you know who completed his season just two days ago with a big fat $40,000 check? Nate Saxton. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Did you buy that many <laughs> firebirds, uh, firebirds no. when you were no, with him? I ain't
2: got time no. for that. This guy would rather have a felon in his hand anyway, as you're saying. Ricky Waisaki joining us, our champion from this weekend. Rick, three time disc golf pro tour championship winner. You, you just show up for the big checks. Ricky doesn't get out of bed unless it's for 40 grand or what?
3: <laughs> I guess so. That's, that's, that's the new thing.
2: I, not a bad reason to do so so just so everyone's aware we got Ricky he is on the road uh making a long
1: haul almost home uh, I yeah. saw your tweet earlier today saying you only had six hours to go that had to be like at least four hours to go so you're two hours out did you get lost
3: yeah we're something like that hopefully we don't go through the desert and lose 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 signal here soon but yeah we started the 31 hour journey on Monday and uh, we drove through the night, and so I'm a little tired, so if, if I look
2: tired or glossy-eyed, that's just uh, lack of sleep, that's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds like a disc call mean, for lining up excuses.
1: Being tired on a podcast, <laughs> right? and you're driving, right? You're driving? No. <laughs>
3: I'm, not, I'm not, no, I'm not personally driving, I'm in the car, though.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. Well, that's good. I don't
3: have so Tesla, it's auto drive. Yet. Yeah. Perfect.
1: Perfect. <laughs> I mean,
3: you just
2: swung. I mean, you had it ready at the dealership on Monday. You're like, "Hey, I'm going to bring cash by." You guys cool with that? I've no, got this big giant check. Do check. Right? You, you <laughs> cash
3: giant checks? <laughs> right.
2: Uh, uh, so, Rick. Uh, first of all, of course, congratulations. Um, I mean, let's start with the idea that your season in general was obviously abbreviated. And you know you came in, and then it almost was what felt like maybe premature. You came in, and then you weren't quite ready to go again, and and I think you had to withdraw from an event, and then you got fired back up. What? How will you look back at this season in terms of you know kind of the crazy start and and maybe even the crazier finish?
3: Yeah, I mean, as an athlete, and you know, in this game, and you know, the wear and tear that you put on your body, there's there's going to be events that you play, you know, play your best and feel your best. And there's going to be events that you're just kind of trying to grind through and grind through, whether it's, you know, you're not feeling good, your arm hurts, whatever it may be, your, you know, confidence is shot. There's so many variables that go into playing at a high level. Uh, and, and that's why you see some players, some weeks they have it, some weeks they don't. And that's just the game of golf. I mean, that's, there's so many moving parts that have to come together for you to be able to play well. And, um, It even goes for a whole season, not just a week in and week out thing. It could be a yearly basis where, you know, it just so happens you get injured, you know, multiple times in a season and you don't have, you don't play as many events as you wanted. And the events you do play, you just don't feel 100%. So that's kind of where I felt like I was this year. Um, Just, you know, and that's, like I said, that's kind of the nature of the beast when you're, when you're, when you practice as much as we do on tour. Uh, we're, We're driving, we're, we're throwing a ton of shots and, you know, obviously we're doing as much as we can to, to mitigate the damage, but just like just like they always say, you know, if, if you're throwing, just like a, like a baseball pitcher. You know, they're they're just basically just bound to have Tommy Johns there. It's just a matter of when. You know, you can take care of and work out, stretch as much as you can, but that repetitive motion is, is going to take its toll eventually.
1: Yeah, I mean, even for an abbreviated season, you still had 17 finished events. You you started 18, as Terry said, but you had to withdraw from the Open at Austin. Um, but 17 events is still a pretty solid season. That's a lot of events. Uh, starting in, yeah. well, I think late April.
3: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, obviously, you know, I was, I w- I wanted to play the start, and I wanted to play the all events. I enjoy playing, and they're, they're events to open up the season. They're obviously, you know, events you want to come out and play well, get some points, and you know, have a chance to win out of those. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, you know, I think next year I might, I might skip a couple tournaments in the beginning of the season just to be able to, even if I'm am healthy, just to kind of. Just to kind of uh, make sure that I'm healthy for, you know, the three-fourths of the, of the events that I want to play, like, you know, Waco and, um, you know, obviously the season being, so as long as it is last, next year, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of events, you know, obviously I'm not going to play them all. And um, so, yeah, I think I'm probably going to skip a couple of the events in the beginning of the season just so I can extend my offseason and uh, do a little more training. Um, yeah, working out, a little more uh, body work.
1: Well, and that kind of brings us... I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll get around to a lot of different things, but next season, the season is very backloaded with majors and huge events. What are you going to do next year in order to make sure that you are in, we'll say, peak athletic form for yourself, all things considered with uh, with you and the Lyme disease, but, you know, which is always a coin flip, it feels like, assuming that you're, you know, with your health. But what are you going to do to make sure that you are in your best form at the end of the season?
3: Yeah, I mean... For me i think it's like i said that's part of it it's just to kind of take in the beginning couple tournaments off like in florida i'll probably end up skipping those i'll go to the all-stars that's kind of more of a fun event just to you know icebreaker to the season you know go hang out with everybody you know people will probably be switching sponsors talking you know talking about that talking shop just you know it's just, just a fun event to to kind of get the season started so i'll probably play that it's not like a it's not like an event where I'm going to go grind four days before the event and practice all day every day to get ready. It's just, you know, you fly in for a couple days, hang out, throw some shots, and, you know, and then fly out. It's not, like, super grueling. So I'll play that, and then, and then I'll probably skip a couple of the Florida events. Uh, just like I said, what you said, Johnny, just because, you know, the, a lot of the bigger events are in the, you know, second half of the season. If you cut the season in half... Um, the second half is where all the big events are, and obviously there's a lot of big events in the in the first half as well. Like Waco's uh, is now an Elite Plus, so that's early in the season for that to be a big event. So I'll definitely I'll probably I'm definitely going to play that, um, but it's not going to be the you know, every week you know like like it was towards the end of this end of this year where you had Maple Hill, you had Worlds, you had USDGC, then the Pro Tour Finals. It was just like almost like six events in eight weeks. It seemed like. Uh, so I won't be doing that in the beginning of the season. I'll kind of save that for the second half. And, and I think it. You've seen it with a lot of people at the Pro Tour Finals, and I'm not going to mention any names. But you can kind of you can kind of watch someone play and see that like, all right, they're a little mentally not there. <laughs> they're mentally not themselves. People kind of you know were just you know burned out. It's that's you know you hear that word used a lot. But I mean, when you play this many events and uh, the off season's right around the corner, it's easy to look look past the event and just be like, I want to go home and just see my family or do whatever to take your mind off of the, off the sport that you've been grinding on for the, you know, eight months. So, um, I want to try to avoid that as much as I can, the mental burnout.
2: Yeah. And, and I mean, we can say one of the names only because he very openly said it himself, Mason Ford posted today and said, Hey guys, you know, I made the finals. I'm super happy about my play, but I also am kinda of mentally over it. I, I was ready to go home. I wasn't all there and I was ready to get back to Texas or, or get back with his family and start the off season. And and that's no slight to him. I mean he's been grinding just like everyone else out there. And to, to say that there's not much left in the tank, I don't think is a disrespect to anyone and, and I I really applaud Mason in that not only did he realize it within, within his, his, himself, but he then shared it with the world. And, uh, I again, I hold no no uh, ill will or chip on the shoulder over that. I It, it makes I think, perfect sense.
1: I think that's a learning experience for him. He knows now next yeah. year he's going to have to do something inside himself in order to be able to compete at the end of the season because, as we said, with Champions Cup moving to the end of the season you have to be mentally ready because there's three majors within like a month and a half. And if you're not in it, what's the, I hate, I hate to say, what's the point of the season? But like, if you're not right. there to compete for the majors, man, like yeah. that's just, it's that's gotta yeah. be tough.
3: Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's, it's like going to the grocery store when you're, when you're super hungry, you go to the grocery store, you're like, Oh, you know, I want to, <laughs> I want to buy everything and eat everything. And then you get home and you eat like a little bit and you're like, Oh, I got way too much stuff. <laughs> I mean, like that's kind of how it is when you make your off se- you're your your, you're in the off season making your schedule, and you want to play all these cool events, and you're like, oh, I want to play Vegas, I want to play Waco, I want to play Jonesboro, I want to put all these events because they're fun, and you know, but then you get to the end of the season, and you're just like, what Mason probably happened with him, his eyes were bigger than his stomach when it comes to all the tournaments <laughs> he wanted to play, you know, like he's like wanting to play all these events, but then you get to the, you know, the Pro Tour finals, he made the finals, and I'm sure he was pumped about that, but he just he tried to tap into some. You know, mental stamina that just wasn't there because he, you know, he just kind of, you know, like you said, drained the mental well in, in previous tournaments. So I think this building, the building your schedule part is going to be super important for people. And, um, like I said, I think that, and the other thing is everyone's at a different stage in their career. Some players are in the stage where they, they want to play every event. They want to build their brand and, and, uh, and, 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 I, and that's, you know, I was at that stage at some point in my career. And I totally respect that, um. It's just, you know, it's just whatever you can handle, whatever you want to. And and I think Mason's going to probably make an adjustment now. Like, hey, all right, that didn't work last year. Let's uh, let's tone it down a little bit before these big events so that way I can at least feel fresh and, and, and mentally be there uh, for every event that I play.
2: How many, uh, there, there's a, a very open communication that happens with our players and the Pro Tour. There's, uh, I know there's at least a Facebook group and then other forms of communication, do you personally, or did you personally chime in at all when it came to scheduling conversations? You know, do, did you have an opinion about starting in the West? You know, with with the All Stars and the uh, Las Vegas challenge, uh, or or just anything? Did you give personally any input about you know some of the things you like or dislike about our tour schedule?
3: No, I didn't. I didn't have a chance to. I was talking to Yuli about it. I think he's on the on the players board. I was staying with him for USDGC in the Pro Tour finals, so mm-hmm. I was talking to him a little bit about it. Um, I think that um, it's it's kind of turning into. It seems like it's like the PGA. You'll have certain big events that are almost every year going to have the big names every year are going to go to that event, and then the other events are going to be. You know, there'll be still be big names and people trying to get some wins that are. There are big names, but it'll also be you know spread out. You know, you're not going to see all the big names at every event. You know, let's say me and Eagle and Kyle and Gannon might be at one event, and then the next event it'll you know or maybe it's Isaac, O, and you know a couple other of the top players there, and we're taking a week off. So I think it's good for the spectators like that. I think that you know that that you know allows the spectators to have some high level play that they can watch week in and week out, while the top players can also still get their break that they need. Uh, to come back and play at, at the highest level that they, you know, feel like they can, um, and I think for for and looking at the schedule for to expand on what you're asking, Terry, the the schedule la- next year it seems pretty long. Like I think because we're going from DGPT Pro Tour Finals to the Champions Cup, and that takes us almost to like November 5th or something like that, November mm-hmm. 6th, and and then next thing you know, you know, you're not getting home if you you know if you have to take a you know flight or whatever or drive you're not getting home till middle of november almost and then you know you're already having to turn around and if you're you know in the all-star event you're you know beginning of january you're already having to play you know so it's it just seems like a short turnaround as far as you know you, you know a lot of people they need that break they need some time to to do some strength training you need some time to regroup to have some family time for people that have been gone for nine months and and um i get it we're all professionals we all you know we'll all adapt um, but also, you know, that's kind of just the stuff that we think about that, um, would fully optimize our off season and being able to get a month to just chill and, and maybe, you know, for the people that want to grind and practice all the time, they can, they can do that. But then the people also that want to chill and regroup and recover their body and can let their body recover, um, they can do that. They can, you know, time to work out. And, uh, I mean, most sports they have, you know, at least four to five months off season. Uh, and that's, you know. Not, I guess not most sports I guess but a lot like like baseball you look they finish in you know October late October early November and you know they're they're not picking back up until when's when's the first when's the first game of baseball it's usually like mid
1: March late March early
3: April yeah okay yeah. okay so so yeah it's it's a it's a lot longer than disc golf I mean disc golf for middle middle April middle October end October and then, you know a lot of times we're February. Fourteenth, we're already tr- thinking about the All Stars in Vegas, you know. So it's uh, sure, but I, but yeah, that's kind of just you know from my point of view.
1: So I guess that'll before we start talking about the uh, the Tour Championship, I guess I'll ask what your off season now is going to look like. How are you going to recoup this off season? What are you going to do? Are, are you going? I know last year you took a trip, I think, to Mexico, hung out there yeah. in the off season. Yeah. What does your off season look like? When are you going to start? Um, when are you gonna start grinding again I guess when are you gonna start like get the putters out and really start you know all right I need to you know I, I need to dial this in before i uh, before I make my first appearance
3: yeah so so for me i I actually read a book one time about like about top professional athletes, and I kind of took a page out of the book. I guess that's a good analogy. Um, did you but, return uh, the book to the library without I, a yeah, page? Yeah,
2: like a ripped-out page. <laughs> it's like it's in his bag all folded up between two minis. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> oh, I think, I think, think Ricky right. locked up a little. Uh, uh, a little. There he is. You you're back. No, don't worry about it. You're back. <laughs> yeah, you're what good.
0: You
2: uh, okay. we, we asked <laughs> if you literally took the page out of the book and then you know, put it in, possibly in your bag or something. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah I did so I remembered what I was reading you know <laughs> um, but anyways it was and I, I, it's I guess it's kind of a stupid story but it was I, for, I actually forget the athlete but it, I remembered the what what they're what they did in the offseason and it was like a high-level athlete that actually obviously trained a bunch and had went through a really rough not rough season but like a grueling season and then they went through a month stretch where they basically they I I want to say it was like Michael Phelps or someone like super high-level Olympian athlete like that that like ate McDonald's and like just did this l- let loose um, in, in those moments and then kind of just let their you know like we were talking about their mental their mental well so to say build back up and if it's Michael Phelps let that you know let his fire for swimming kind of come back after you know whereas obviously at the end of the season it kind of kind of feel like you're going through the motions so if you take some time off whether it's eating McDonald's or going for a hike or, you know, Mexico and just hanging out for a week. Um, that kind of stuff just allows you to kind of just build up that fire back slowly. And then, you know, you take that month off. And then by the end of that month, you're like, all right, sweet. I want to get back. I have that fire to play again. And that passion kind of comes through again to where that passion kind of dies off a little bit. I'm not going to respond, but like what Mason Ford's going through, that is a completely normal thing for a top professional player. That's nothing – that's nothing just specific to him. And so I can totally relate to him on, on what, what he went through. Um, but I think that just the fact that taking that month off, not doing not doing much, chilling, watching football, whatever your other hobbies are, that's important to go ahead and do those and, uh, and slowly build that fire back to then once you're back and ready and your fire's back, you can start working out, start putting, start going to the field. Um, so for me, that's kind of my formula to building that, that
2: mental well back up and you're headed back to arizona right all the way across country you have an, uh, a place somewhere in the scottsdale area or, or northern scottsdale yep and uh-huh. uh, yep clearly there's a lot of people that have been finding better weather whether that's florida or or texas or california or arizona those have become kind of the the logical places we're seeing more and more players kind of migrate to during the off season for a lot of obvious reasons do you have uh, I, I was just gonna flat out just say roommates do you have planned extended visitors what's what's kind of going on at your house and and can i stay there for a few days yeah. in uh in november
3: <laughs> definitely dude yeah okay. you're always welcome yeah yes. you can um I- Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, no problem. You can definitely stay there. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I'll have, like, Bradley. I'm friends with Bradley. He'll, I was talking to him. He wants to come out in the off season and do some training together. Together, Gannon, uh, I'm friends with Gannon. He stayed at my place last year for the memorial. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he's going to come out and hang out. So I like to – AB lives, like, 10 minutes away. So we'll be hanging out and, uh, you know, watching the D-backs game. They're playing right now. to uh, them. So we're gonna have a little watch party at my house once once they start playing. And uh, but, but uh, yeah, so I just have people over, and I like to have buddies that we can kind of push each other, play money rounds in the off season, get that competitive disc golf, those competitive disc golf juices flowing. Hey, we're gonna play for fifty bucks today, you know, and get mm-hmm. three or four of our touring buddies to um, uh, to to get together and, and play. And and it also it's and, it, and also it's fun. It kind of just like goes back to the roots of. You know, just going out with your buddies and playing disc golf and you know, we're out here in Arizona at seventy degrees, you get to play fountain hills and it's not you're not you're not you're not really grinding, you're just kinda you know, getting back into it. And so yeah, that's uh that's something that I'm, that I'm super pumped about being able to to host people and you know I've always I've always found off season spots where whether that at of Host the couch surfers now, and give, give people a place to stay. I'm um, very thankful.
2: Yeah, you got a little choppy, but I think the long and short of it is, yeah, you've you've taken advantage of crashing with a few people uh, in those nicer climates, and now the fact that you're, uh, well, you're big time. Let's let's be real here. You're big time, so now you have a house that you can reciprocate. And uh, that's awesome to see. And I know a lot of players talk about finding a way to visit and/or just take advantage of the nice weather throughout, which is great. You still with us?
3: Can you can you hear me?
1: Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, we can. You're getting a little little desert choppy. It's not it's not the worst, but we'll be all right. <laughs> Uh, when when Rick comes back, we'll maybe we'll cut our video feed to him to hopefully help that out. Hey, Rick, welcome okay. back. There you
3: go. Okay. Hey.
1: Yeah. So,
3: uh,
1: if we back
2: up and get into a few details of this weekend, uh, I guess one of just the first questions I would say is, if if they told you if they being the the pro tour said, hey, we're going to play the championship at Nevin. For the next five years, we're gonna we're thinking about locking in a five year contract, and I'm just making this up by the way. But they said we're gonna play there for the next five years for the championship. Would you like that, or would you like to see it rotate or or other courses or other configurations? <laughs> but just generally speaking, would you want to be at Nevin?
3: Yeah, I mean, come on, I went back to back. I love that place. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I, I do. I do like the course. I think it's a it's a it's a great course. It's you know it's got a good I, I think with the two extra finishing holes they add a little bit more uh wooded because it's pretty much all wooded minus minus like 17 and 18 those mm-hmm. are the two holes you can kind of like and they've had so much out of bounds it's not like well, it's so, you're, every shot is you know you have to pay attention to the wind pay attention to how your disc is landing and just all the different variables um and I think it's good for the spectators. It seemed like the it was they had a good viewpoint from a lot of different holes. They did a lot of clearing of the trees on like not near the fairways, but like on the on the where the spectators can see through see Obviously, super important. Um, so yeah, I would I, I like that course. Um, I think I I like I like when we can get um, get courses like. Like USDGC and events like USDGC, where you create this, um, uh, I guess, classic, you know, like, I don't know what the word is for it, but like going back to the same course where you can develop course records. People, you Mm. know, remember things from certain, instead of just switching it up all the time. You know, I think that, you know, in, in golf, you see like, hey, we're going back to St. Andrews or whatever, and it just has all this history there. And so it's hard to create history if you just keep bouncing around to different courses and like people. You know, if I have a cool shot this year, and like that whole 16, that was—I feel like that was a cool moment in the tournament. I hit that putt. Let's say next year, I don't know whoever. Let's you know, Gannon Burr throws an ace on like coming down the stretch of the tournament. Like that's a moment people would remember. You know, down you know in five years. You know, and I think those kind of things are important to create history in the game. And I think that's kind of we need more of that. And I would like, so I would like to see it stay for sure.
2: Do you one of one of the and again I mean every ounce of praise that we give to Charlotte and the club and everything they've been doing all these last few years, but others have even noticed the the on-site spectatorship feels a little light. Is that? 100% a USDGC hangover, you know, and people just got done volunteering and spectating that, um, you know, because the club is so strong, the area is strong with an insane amount of golfers. Why are we not seeing as many show up maybe to uh, spectate in person that weekend? Do you have any guesses?
3: Yeah, I. so I heard someone talking about how expensive the VIP pass was like 800 bucks for the, oh. for the week. I was like, wow. So and that included that was some sort. Of, I'm sure that was a VIP pass. It was like a gold pass where it included like you got to play the pro am. You got to do a couple extra per- mm-hmm. perks. But that was super expensive. It could be that. It okay. also could be the format. You know where it's like, you know the format's a little different. So I think that could be throwing people off. But also I do think it's a lot of, a lot of hangover from US because I was playing some local courses that, that I ran into some spectators were like, oh yeah, we're just we're just playing a course before we fly back home after the US So. Like there are spectators that flew in for the USDGC and then they just flew out. Cause obviously most people don't have two straight weeks to, you know, take off work. If they're, mm-hmm. if they're a disc golf spectator, they're obviously not, they're not making money playing disc golf. So they got to do it other way, other, way mm-hmm. other ways, you know? So, um, so yeah, I think that it was a lot of that people come in, they go to USDGC and then they leave. Um, and so I think that that's a big reason why we, we didn't quite see. And even if you're in Charlotte, I mean, two weeks for even if you're local, it's kind of a lot, um, two weeks in a row so i think that problem very potentially could be you know a problem in the future and then i think there might be some reason to move it um and i'm I'm sure the pro tour is talking about that but also like i said that was the first thing that came to my head is the passes were pretty expensive okay like i said it could be i could be wrong it could just be the vip pass that i heard someone talking about um i'm not sure how much the actual just daily admission was but um but yeah that's
2: yeah and and again that's you know clearly I mean disc uh, Charlotte is known as is literally one of the the best hotbeds in all of disc golf uh it, you know in terms of the play the courses the club the, so there's no disrespect there the you know the weather is great and everything else I just you nailed it. There's a lot of people that are that are probably partaking in one or the other, and the USDGC has a longer standing history, especially being 25 years this year, and that's and just, that's the event that, and it's it's far more accessible in general. to yeah, look at, the to be at. Yeah, USDGC that are that are there for the, it
1: with the players area what? and the spectators yeah. and and just you know the village and everything. Like the pro tour isn't yeah. at that level yet, and if it's it'll take time.
3: Yeah, and another thing I do uh, want to add to it is my sister was um, was actually, she lives obviously in Rock Hill, so it's only like 30-40 minute drive, but she actually stayed home to watch it on DGN, so, I mean, that could be part of it too is a lot more people are, the product's so good that it's actually, you know, it's like a win-lose type of thing, like DGN's good enough, people don't want to go watch in person because they're like, alright, well I can just, you know, how many times you said that, like, you're like, oh, some people say that about sports, like, I'd just rather watch it from my couch, you know, and like, so it's a little, it could be part of that. So it could be a multifaceted thing mm-hmm. to where, you know, the product is getting that much better to where people, you know, and also Nevin isn't the best spectator course. So it could have been like, cause I know last year was pretty good. So it could have been the type of thing like, you know, Hey, uh, you get to pay X amount of money to go stare at a bunch of trees and not see any angles on any shots that we're throwing, you know, like that, that's very well, you know could happen because there's a lot of crazy angles around corners with trees everywhere and yeah they they did what they could but it's still there's trees all over that place and it's hard (laughs) to get an angle and so yeah I mean I honestly think that that's also could be could be it because that's could be why people went last year but not this year
2: yeah and and again, we know they did a great job, and they cleared i think it was three and a half acres worth of stuff they had all these hundreds of man hours so there's you know there's no disrespect being tossed around we 're just trying to figure out why is that and and truth be told, all of us disc golfers always say you know we don't like to see wide open shots on golf courses. we want to see wooded shots, but then you go into the woods and you deal with more difficult signal and you deal with uh, a, a more challenging in person spectator. I mean, those are just some all of our like those are that's the dichotomy there of open versus uh, wooded courses. You know, I think I think this perfectly exemplifies that. Which um, you know, we're going to continue to try and figure out as we move forward.
1: Well, let's I say let's talk a little bit about the event itself. Yeah. Um, you started out as a four seed, which it means you had a few strokes to give in those first two rounds. At what point did you feel? locked in, like where just everything felt like it was clicking because those last two rounds, about halfway through that round, it kind of felt like the momentum was completely in your favor. You almost couldn't miss for a little bit. What, from your perspective, how did it feel? Well,
3: let me just, okay, cool. Uh, let me just start by saying that, uh, yeah, I mean, I like the format and I like the fact that you play all season makes it that much easier for the players that played well and accumulated points and those points then, you know, attributed to strokes. I like that. I think that's it, it, it rewards the consistent players all season long and that's super important. Uh, but I also want to say that uh, the fact that you get strokes is a huge advantage. Like, for people that are just sneaking in and, like, let's say – that didn't get top 10, let's say they just got 12th, you know, they're, they're only one under versus, or even mm-hmm. instead of like me and Calvin again, and all of them are like four or five under six under, like that's a humongous difference. Um, like even, even like, even if it was flip flop, like if I was at one under, like in some, in the let's say 12th or 20th place person was in, you know, had, was at five under, like that's a lot of, that's a lot of strokes at this level in the game. That's a lot. Um, and so, That is, you know, a big advantage. And I think, you know, I think everybody made the finals that got strokes minus Simon. Um, But um, I think especially the way that course scores, um, yeah, there's there's just, you know, there's a lot of times when obviously you'll have the outliers. Like I played a really good round and Calvin played a really good round the final round. But majority, a lot of times, you're going to run into bad shots and bad holes. And a lot of people shoot very compact scores between, let's say, if you're a top player, a lot of people shoot between two, and six under seven under so like that, that that's pretty jam-packed with as far as like not that much separation it's hard to really obviously you didn't really see the 12 unders like you do at some courses so that makes it that much harder to separate and gain strokes and if you're already down four strokes you know it's you're really having to press and I heard a lot of people like Emerson uh talking how he just felt like he had to play super aggressive trying to have trying to catch the 12th place guy to get into that last spot into the finals and so um so I think that you know, even if I was outside of the the person, like it's outside of the top ten getting strokes, I would still like it because I think it just you know, if you didn't, if you there's there's nothing to really complain about. If you didn't get top ten, you you're obviously thankful that you made the 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 chance, the opportunity to get into the finals. But you got to work hard and you got to play really well. Um, and there's a lot more room for error uh, with the top top players. Um, and there's a lot less pressure, and that's huge out there less pressure you're kind of playing freely you have a couple strokes to work with you know if you have a bogey here or there you're not really panicking to where if you bogey a couple holes and you, you know let's say you're one or two over and you know it's hard to come back you know you're having to shoot five six seven under you know to get back in the hunt and have a chance to you know to even catch anybody
2: do you do you feel like, and I know you, so basically you just said that you like the format, you know, it somewhat favored you, of course, with your fourth place seed. Do you feel like the strokes that were awarded are the right amount, or should they tinker with those numbers anymore? Um, Because you were given, how many strokes were you given as the fourth seed?
3: Um, I was given four, yeah, yeah, four. I was was four under, yep. So four, and then I think it was something like Calvin got six, he was mm-hmm. at six under. Five, I think he just went in order, six, five, and then I think it was four, four. Uh, yep. Those two, like, fourth and fifth were four under. So, um, so yeah, I think that, and then I was down to, like, I believe 10th place was, like, one under or something like that, and then everyone else after that was at even. Yeah, um, something like that, yep. Um, so, so it basically turned into, you know, the top guys were basically, you know, obviously nothing's guaranteed, especially at Nevin, but like what it seemed like it turned into is like the guys that that just creeped in at even, they were trying to catch the guys that one or two under. So there was a battle between them, you know? And and so it's like, who's going to sneak in? Like Adam ended up sneaking in, shot a really hot round, um, and snuck in barely. Uh, and I think that that was kind of the, the first day that was the battle to watch. It was, Hey, who's going to sneak in and give themselves a chance to go into this finals. And then from there it resets. Um, so it was kind of weird being a uh, being. Not, obviously, nothing's guaranteed, and, and you know I don't take anything for granted. But it did feel like we were just kind of like a walk in the park. Like, oh, you know, we're you know everything's fine. We're not really battling for anything. We're just kind of like paying attention to like, hey, who's in 12th place? Who's in 13th place making a move? Like, we were watching that, like paying attention. Like, felt like all the cameras should be over there, like paying attention to like, hey, what's this battle? Who's gonna who's gonna get in? Who's gonna be first out? Like, there's a lot of storylines there. So that's what it felt like day one or day one and two is just um yeah who's going to get in that 12 spot
2: um so you're you're good with the amount of strokes that were handed out would, would you would you change that yeah, at sorry. all
3: <laughs> no. I, I didn't mean to dodge your question on purpose <laughs> no no good um yeah i i guess i guess i would have to think about it a little bit more um i i think i think it's good i mean it's just so when i first i didn't understand if the strokes were for the entire tournament like but uh, obviously like it was just the first and second round I, I didn't know this until you know a couple like a week or two before the actual tournament um but I, yeah i would like i would just have to think about it a little bit more as far as the strokes and how much um yeah i mean basically what it does is like if you get top four you're you're almost a shoe in to get into the finals you know mm. and so that just it puts a premium on you know getting those points and being top in the points in, in, um, which I've always been an advocate for. I think there should yeah. be some sort of also payout, you know, on that. But I guess that's, you know, that's another another topic. But um, but yeah, it just makes it makes the, you know, the season long points that much more exciting. Another storyline: who's going to make the top, you know, top four, and you know, and then you can do like you know stories like, all right, the top four have, you know, proceeded to make the finals in, you know, three out of the last four years. You know, everybody in the top four or whatever that kind of stuff. So it adds to the storylines as far as dos and you guys being able to talk about that kind of stuff
1: i think a lot of it might also depend on the course like ricky was saying with the score so compressed you could almost make the argument where it was like there wasn't a lot of excitement for the first two rounds because we kind of everybody who was in the top made the top with the exception of um simon and and Mm -hmm. so so there wasn't maybe a lot of drama so maybe with nevin In particular, you could say, well, maybe let's not give Calvin six strokes. Let's instead give him four. Let's go like four, four, three, three, two, something weird like that. I I mean, we could sit and Mm -hmm. discuss this all day, but I think a lot of it, you're right, might depend on the course. If you want to see more excitement, you lower those scores a little Mm -hmm. bit on a course like Nevin. But a course like Waco could be completely different, where someone could come out and shoot a 14, and somebody else could come out and shoot a six, and it doesn't feel much different. From your round, yeah, I think I think the course could depend a Sorry, lot what, on that. What'd you say at the end there? I was just say it, it. Like I said, if if you went to like Waco, where the scores could be much more varied, it would really depend on how how you would look at it. And each course could be a little different. But we could sit and make that discussion all day long. Honestly, depending on the course, who knows?
3: Yeah, unless it's like a unless it's like a preserve type of course where it's just you know everyone just. You know, it's a birdie fest. Mm-hmm. You know, almost everybody's shooting. You know, eight to eight to fourteen, fifteen under. You know, those are the scores. Everyone's shredding it.
2: Now, uh, speaking of shredding it, uh, there was so much emphasis uh, during the press conference where a lot of our players said anything under par is good, and then if pressed for a number, you know, four, three, four, five, six might be good. Double digits is essentially crazy. I mean, I feel like. A handful of people more or less said that. And then when it was all said and done, you end up, I think I think we counted, with 40 birdies, I think was the number. Maybe it was even more than that. But when it was all said and done, it didn't seem like getting the birdies. Well, you also liked a few double bogeys. But getting the birdies wasn't a problem for you. Were you just playing those fairways and just playing so much better in order to capture all those birdies that you did?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, you know, it's a type of thing where you can always go into a tournament with a number in your head. But then, like, you know, you go through the round and you're like, all right, well, I got an opportunity to shoot way better. You're not going to just be like, oh, yeah, I only want to shoot six under. You know, we're greedy. <laughs> yeah. We want to shoot as good as you can and, like, set, set yourself up. You know, so that's what I was thinking the first day when I – or the first round of the semifinals is I was shredding. And I'm like, all right, well, I want to – you know, 18. I could have laid up on 18. I'm like, nope. I gotta, you know, I can't can't let off the break. I gotta, I gotta keep birdie and, and set myself up for tomorrow. You know, so so I think that just knowing that I have to be aggressive uh, out there is, you know, there's really you can be, you know, off the tee. You wanna you wanna think you're thinking birdie on every hole basically. Um, it's it's on the second and third shot is when you when you basically have to say, all right, do I really want to be aggressive when I'm this far out of position? Um, and so I think that that's something that. You know, for me, as I the weekend went on, the first the first round I got you know, whatever what was that three double bogeys in the front nine. So <laughs> so I, I toned it down. I didn't get I still got a couple do- double bogeys sprinkled in here and there, but I didn't get that many. So I kind of learned my lesson the first day and didn't. When I got out of position, I just all right, all right I'm gonna get the bogey or the par, whatever I can scrap together here and move on to the next hole, knowing that I can post up ten birdies in a round. You know, and just just if I minimize and just grind out that par and save that par. That's gonna keep the momentum of the round going instead of going backwards getting a bogey or a double bogey. Um, but to go to your next your, what you're saying as far as the scoring, it's just when you see when you play with people, you can kinda of, you kind of gauge how, how everyone's playing the rounds and when you see people playing getting a lot of birdies, it kinda of like, you know, you play them just like anything. You play your level of competition and then that next thing you know, you know, your whole card's shooting six, seven, eight under, and you thought, you know, five under was a good round. And I think I said before the for going into the semifinals, 13 to 14 under was gonna probably be winner and winning the winning it all. And I was pretty close. I mean, yeah. I was I, I ended up shooting 15. Um obviously eighteen was situationally, and I you know, I obviously could have made the 30 footer if I really needed to, if I was, you know, if it was any other situation than than, than that. But um uh but yeah, I mean I think I was, you know, one or two strokes off of what I predicted.
2: Yeah, it was it was incredible. You you had 19 birdies in the first two rounds and then or should I say the semifinals and then during the finals you ultimately had 21 birdies. And I just think there's a lot of people that if given the opportunity to take a bet and say that somebody would average 10 birdies a round they would take that bet and say you, that
1: you could give us ten birdies. We'd still finish over par, Terry. <laughs> yeah, <that>, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we would take yeah. as many doubles as Rick, though. No,
2: I mean, I'd, dude, I'd, you... <laughs> I'd hold it to singles. I'd spread it out. I'd make like yeah, a lot of single bogeys. Yeah, you and your double bogeys out there. Like well, this guy doesn't.
3: If you're playing. <laughs> If you're playing not to double bogey, Terry, I'm sure you, you you wouldn't be double bogey. But if you're playing to birdie, you might have a you will have some double bogey. I guarantee
2: you that. Yeah, my, my the governor on my on my uh, throws and abilities is a little different than yours. That's for sure. So yeah, it was it was crazy to see you through ten holes during that first round when you had three doubles. And the rest, you know, and then six birdies were like, what is this guy doing? Uh, it's just kind of all over the place. keep
1: it even. Doesn't want to get too far ahead. Yeah. Just prove everybody <laughs> he can get birdies. He
3: yeah. doesn't need exactly. them.
2: Yeah, plenty of birdies <laughs> out that, there.
3: That round was really weird because I, I did build some confidence. I'm like, all right, well, I am birding. Like, So there's something to take away from this. And obviously me, you know, I can make changes on the fly and I can, you know, adjust my game plan and just, you know. So the fact that I got all those double bogeys obviously wasn't a good thing. But I was like, all right, I can tone it down a little bit, not play so hyper-aggressive when I'm out of position. And that's kind of what I did the last you know, couple rounds once I learned my lesson after that.
1: Was
2: there any hole, maybe from round one or two, was there any hole where you stepped up to it in rounds three or four where you're like, hey, this didn't work. I'm going to go with a different shot off the tee. Can you remember any time where you're like, yeah, time to change up the game plan?
3: let me think here so there are different discs I throw like you know certain on like hole one actually I was throwing so I went I went with a fairway driver on hole one and I just blasted all the way through the gap and almost went ob long and there's, <laughs> like, there's like a there's like a there's like a path down there I was like got all scared I'm like I don't want to hit this gap too good and throw it too good and go long so then I I downgraded to a mid-range and um, I kept landing short so it was kind of like you know I the fairway was too much and the mid range was too short so I was like in between discs on that hole so that kind of hole and I was able to make up for it by making putts um but I just never got my I didn't even get my disc inside the circle I I think I got two two or three birdies out of four and I I didn't even throw it inside the circle once (laughs) on that hole and it wasn't even close to the circle I was like way outside the circle I was like 50 feet on all of them 50 feet or further um so yeah that was kind of hole that I just kind of you know, driving-wise, I didn't have it dialed in, but I hit the putt when I needed to on that hole. Yeah,
2: those are big Rick problems for sure. Oh, I, I couldn't get inside the circle, so I just made from circle two. Yeah,
1: yeah that's what yeah. As one does.
2: Yeah, that, that, that's <laughs> one philosophy, I guess. Well, real quick, like, because it was certainly one of the highlights in it and talk about momentum and setting a tone, just the putt from the knee from way deep in circle two to open up the final round... Uh, Walk us through that just for a moment.
3: Yeah, I mean, so obviously, you know, three strokes on paper is you know it's good to have a lead and it's great to play with a lead, but you know, you gotta you gotta keep the pedal to the metal. You gotta you know, as soon as you let off, you know, player like Kyle can swoop in there and, and, and put some pressure on, which he did. Um, so in the beginning of the round like that, I just wanted to I want to set a precedence. You know, I feel like I play with a lot of emotion, I play with, and so I use that to my advantage. I want to get the crowd into it, and I feel like that's when I play my best. And so I, I made that putt and was just got like super excited because I knew it was going to you know, kind of snowball me in the, in the right direction as far as getting that momentum started with the birdie. And, um, and so that's kind that's of how I, how I looked at it. And, and it was really cool to feed off the crowd after that.
1: Well, I mean, we, we heard from Brian Earhart at one point. He talked to Kyle and turned to Kyle and basically said, and Kyle had said, like, oh, Ricky's on his putt. I guess I'm playing for second. And this was like early in that. <laughs> that was after hole three. Yeah, that was early in the early in the the final round. Like, how does how does that make you feel? Just knowing that you've you've stepped on your competitor's uh, ability, like feeling that they can win. Like, is that is that what you're is that what you're shooting for? I mean,
3: I would be. <laughs> <but> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear that because it's not what I'm going for. It's just that's kind of like the genuine, you know, that's the genuine expression that I have when I because I play with a lot of intent. Yeah, I yeah. For me to be able to win, I, you know, I mix a lot of my sports people, like envision the shot under the pressure. Where, what do I want to do? And then when I do it, you know, I explode my emotion, you know, the raptor leg and screaming and, and all that stuff. And that's just the wrong emotion. I'm, that's not like I'm going out of my way to get everyone close. So that way it makes Kyle's 20,000. 20- well, that that's happened? kind of a result of it, but that's just me playing my, you know, that's playing in my comfort zone and feeding off the crowd. I think that's where, where I excel. And I, you know, and emotions can be good; they can be bad. Um, but when they're good, I feed off them in a great way. Um, I think it definitely affects competitors in a negative way because if I have a seventy footer, I hit the crowd's guy. Well, I have a twenty footer. This is. This what am I supposed to do here? That's, nobody's gonna clap for me. I should make this, but now I'm all nervous and all. This, everyone's still clapping and screaming. Um, so yeah, there is that that you know the whole big putt thing is definitely a real thing, um, and it just makes it that much harder.
2: Yeah, and speaking of emotion, I mean we see you out there obviously feeding on that, and and similarly as you say, you ride emotion. You can tell when you're when you're disappointed or you're pissed off. Like it's it's very clear. You know when you're frustrated with yourself or the situation uh where where do you where do you try to keep your limits because there's like off the rails in in any given direction like do you have kind of just still a window in which you're trying to maintain somewhat even with showing yeah, your emotions I mean,
3: I think, yeah i mean i think i obviously i get frustrated and hold myself to a high standard um but um but in those moments what i really am looking for and i think that's another reason why i go back to the emotion and you know expressing my how I'm feeling is like I look for that moment even when if I'm playing bad whether it's like just a nice upshot or a a putt that I can get super excited about that I like executed a shot that I wanted and it kind of like snowballs in a good direction instead of like the snowball in the bad direction where you doink a putt the next hole you hit a tree and then that can snowball in that direction so I try to flip that snowball effect and say all right I want to you know I'm just thinking like all right I need to make a good shot in this hole whether it's a good putt or a good forehand and then it starts the snowball, and then I make one more good putt, and then so then that kind of starts. I look for that momentum starter when I'm in my bad funk, um, and then that kind of restarts my my uh, my momentum. And uh, so that's kind of what I think when I'm in a when I've got a downward spiral into a not so good emotional um, you know mindset.
2: Yeah, and and sometimes that works, and sometimes you hide that very well. You can you can be throwing you really frustrated then you throw a perfect shot and you still look disgusted like you're ready <laughs> like you're ready just to to shoot lasers through the basket or the trees yeah. even though you yeah. just parked a hole and and I understand there's you like you said you hold yourself to a high level and then there's an intensity that you know uh when things aren't going your way even when you do want to turn it around a good shot doesn't always bring you out of that funk but I can see yeah. how you're you're looking for it
3: yeah and sometimes it's like the It's almost like the rage. The rage almost makes me, like, Mm -hmm. obviously not all the time, but like, but sometimes you get the rage, like the rage putt where you're, like, so mad. You're, like, oh, I'm making this thing. I'm so pissed off from the previous hole or, like, that shot. Like, I throw a drive, and I'm not pissed off about the drive because, obviously, like, deep down I'm, like, oh, sweet, I pumped. I'm going to get a birdie look. But I'm just, like, kind of, like, I guess a little bit spillover from the previous hole because I just bogeyed it, and so I'm still pissed off from that. But I actually use that to, like, harness positive, you know, a positive shot. Like, all right, just kind of grit down and bear down and use that negative energy to, you know, uncork a shot, you know?
2: Is there anything um, – is there any other big takeaways from this weekend that maybe fans at home didn't see or know or – uh, you know, we kind of just broke down the course and the spectator, you know, concept and everything out there. Do you feel like there's anything else where you're like, yeah, you know, uh, the disc golf community should know about blank um, that maybe wasn't obvious, whether it was on paper or, or on camera or anything else? Is there anything else that you, you take away from this weekend?
3: Yeah, it's actually funny. One thing that comes to my head is like putting, you know, I think that as a spectator, if you guys are watching these tournaments, uh, 25, 30-footers under pressure down the stretch of a tournament, those are no gimmies. And, like, yeah, we make them, but, like, we're stressing. Like, I guarantee Kyle was stressing and very nervous. I was definitely because there was a lot of, you know, 25, 30-footers into a headwind with the slope behind the group basket. Like, stuff can go bad quick. And so, like, getting those bad thoughts of, like, you know, what could happen out of your head is hard sometimes, especially when you have pressure and nerves. Um, So those things are – battles we're fighting within ourselves like having to make those 25 30 footers it's it's a mental mental battle you really have to fight through those pressure and the nerves and and it's it's not easy 25 30 footers you know on round one is a lot easier than a 30 footer into a headwind with a cliff right behind the basket you know on hole 15 or 14 of the tournament (laughs) Uh, yeah and you're over if you miss it
2: no no, and it's funny because a lot of us were talking about that at one point like how Easy. You guys now make it look where I just expect you everything circles edge or in. We just expect you. Like I almost turn off my brain for a moment of like, Oh yeah, they're going to make this. And clearly you guys all mostly do make it look easy, but there's, it's good to hear that you still have those, those thoughts and emotions that are running through your head. One of the. There, there's an interesting philosophy of like how much we talk about the money, the record-setting purse, the insane paycheck that's you know given out, and then there's some people that are like, who cares? Um, you know, we're putting too much emphasis on the money. And I always think, well, I, I guess what era of disc golf did you come into? You know, did you learn about the sport because? People used to play for a whole year, and 40 grand was a good year for Barry Schultz or a, a Felberg or yeah. a Nico LaCastro. Or even Ricky early years. Or even a Ricky career. early years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I guess, yeah. I guess, how, how would you, you know, has the money changed at all for you? I mean, the money's changed. Has the has the money changed your outlook, your mentality, your feelings? How, how do you, how, does it matter Does uh, do, so, how big that check was?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, of course. The money, the money is always. It's 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 cool to be able to be like, all right, I got an extra forty thousand. What am I going to do with it? You know, like, that is that is always a lot of fun. Um, but for me, it's you know, I started playing disc golf for the sole fact that I just I loved playing. I had a passion for it. Um, and when I decided, you know, I wanted to make this my career, I didn't I didn't know how. I didn't know that you know if there was really gonna if this was really going to be a viable option. I just I just put all my eggs in, in the disc golf basket and said, all right, I'm going on tour. So I never really – I didn't know how much money was in my future, if there was any. I didn't know if I was going to go on tour for two years and then be like, all right, well, this ain't working out. Um, but I just love the game. and I, So I think that that kind of has carried me through. And it's the type of thing where, you know, obviously the new money is great and I'm able to, to do a lot of things that I wouldn't do without it. Um, but it's the passion, just being able to, to do what I love week in and week out, competing, playing disc golf, going, you know, traveling the country. So all the things that go along with it. Yeah, of course, there's some negatives. You don't, you know, you don't get a home life. You don't get to, you know, all that stuff. You miss out on a lot of stuff as well. Um, but um, but I think this, the the word to describe it is just the passion. You know, for me, it's, it's the passion that drives me. It's the passion that, you know, I love. I love what happened this last week, and I absolutely love that. You know, you know, obviously, I love to win. Um, but I just love putting myself in contention to have that chance to win and, and seeing how I handle the pressure and seeing, you know, um, how it plays out and, and how, you know, hey, if, if I did something wrong, how can I change that for next time when I get in this situation? So all things just are what I love and what I crave um, as a competitor in this in this sport. And I think that um, the money is really is a, is kind of a side thing. And, of course, it's my career. I'm, I'm, I'm in it, you know for the money to a certain extent. Um, But, um, you know, what really fuels me is, you know, the passion and the money is kind of a side thing. Uh,
2: This gets in the weeds just a little bit, but obviously you have a a very significant contract. Uh, I mean, there was a helicopter involved, for God's sake. So a very significant contract uh, with Dynamic Disks Uh, where there's a lot of guaranteed money you know we see discs with your names on uh, with your name on it and such and and whatnot Are, are things like bonuses still in play if you win an event like this are there still bonuses that can be in play and 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 are they limited to just like here's an extra check or you know do they work it in where sometimes a commemorative discs are released like what what are some of the types of things that is in the works for you
3: Yeah, so um, a lot of the stuff is is put towards my salary. So like, obviously the tournament winnings are like that's mine. Um, Mm -hmm. But like the like the commemorative discs and some of the bonuses, it depends on how it's structured. But most, a lot of them are put in towards the tournament, towards my guaranteed money that I'm making. Okay. Um, So it's not like um, you know, and I do like a I have like a multiplier type thing. Like if I win one elite series. It's X amount in the next week, or the next Elite Series is double, and then triple. Mm. So kind of how that bonus works, is, and I just—it's just kind of a cool, cool way to, you know, motivate me. To, like, hey, you know, and that third one—it starts adding up a lot. Obviously, this year I did big to three, but that's, and uh, get that multiplier going. Um, back to your um, money talk—is it something that's also? been, you know, with me since I signed the contract with Dynamic is I've just always been the type of person that, like, since Dynamics, you know, took a shot on me and and, and I want to go out there and do what I just did this last weekend and to give back and say, hey, thank you, like, you know, you know, for taking this money, you know, I want to go out there and be the best, best, represent your brand. Um, And so that's something that definitely I think about is um, I feel the, the need to, to, to go over the top and, and really, you know, represent their brand in, in an amazing way and just be and be genuine about it.
1: Uh, real real quick and I guess this is a this is a great question for you. We're going to probably talk a little bit about a new a little news that came out yesterday or maybe it was even today. I don't know. I think it was yesterday about uh, House of Disks. Has anything changed with you and Dynamic with the the with the House of Disks now uh, with their kind of acquisition so to speak or is or from your perspective, is everything still the same?
3: Yeah, so from the player's side, I think it's for the most part the same. There's obviously a couple. There's a there's a new guy at Dynamic, David Hyatt, mm-hmm. who I've been working with a lot more. Um, so he is, um, he's is he been kind of like taking over the role of uh, what Rusko used to do. And Rusco's kind of stepped down a little bit. He's still involved. Um, so he's kind of the guy at the point, of, uh, not the point of contact, but the guy that we work with a lot on discs and a lot of different other stuff new new disc releases that kind of stuff so so from my standpoint i have a new guy that i'm talking to there um but a lot of the stuff is behind the scenes business stuff that doesn't affect the players as much um we still have the same team managers you know points of contact for the most part and um and a lot of it's just you know big corporate you know, investor stuff that I'm not really familiar
2: with. Yet. Yeah, yeah. And you, nor <laughs> and, do you and need to yeah, be. Yeah. You may not ever need to be as yeah. long as, as long as your yeah. check
1: clears and you got your bonus structure yeah. in place, uh, yeah, you, exactly. you should be good. And we had, we had, we were fortunate enough to meet David. At, yeah. Well, you had met him, I think, previous yeah. to this. I was fortunate enough to meet him at USDGC, shake his hand, talk with him and Rusko a little bit. Seems like a great stand up dude. So I'm, I'm happy yeah. you guys get to work with him.
3: Cool. Well,
2: I'm glad you got to meet him. Yeah, he he does seem cool. Yeah. So um, maybe kind of uh, adjacent to all of that uh, chatter is this year. Clearly, it was kind of a, a shock to the system for the rest of the world as well that we didn't have Ari and that you had uh, Fern Fern Dog on the bag and on the cart, uh, I should say. And it, do you have you guys talked about next year? I mean, clearly. Even though abbreviated, the season was amazing. Uh, is there are there applications? Is there a waiting list right now of people trying <laughs> trying to uh, to join you? Um, have you guys started negotiating for next year? What's what's all that look like? And is he currently driving right now? <laughs>
3: Yeah, he is currently driving. He's trying
2: to apply. <laughs> he could drive you right <laughs> off the road, you know, if you don't answer right. <laughs> like, oh, oh, did, did we just try- get T-bone? Sorry, Rick.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh it's been great. It's been a great transition. Um he's done he's done a great job. Um just like anything, he's figured out a lot of uh things that he didn't realize were were tasks and jobs that he had to do. That he didn't realize were were having to happen, just as far as points of contact uh, with with sponsors, with dynamic, with all my other sponsors, with the tax people, all that kind of stuff. But then on top of that, it's the day to day. Hey, where are we going to stay? What Airbnb? Are we going to set up at this tournament? And so there's just you'd be surprised at how much stuff that uh, that pops up. And so there, it's it's a full time job, no doubt. And even in the off season, it's not like hey, we're off season, we're just like you said terry it's not like hey we're just going to mexico for two months and just doing nothing (laughs) like no i might do that for a week but like right after that we're right back to like hey you know what do we you know brixton sending cards we got to sign these cards Mm. and then hey what we got to come up with this disc and then hey we want to film this video it's just you know as you know it's just how the world goes and the world keeps moving and so there's always something to do um but yeah he's 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 starting to figure out all that stuff out and it's starting to get more streamlined um And I got a a laptop for him, so he's he's doing the emails every day uh, with all the people that we work with, and and so, so yeah, he's done done an amazing job, and he will be back next year. Uh, He usually stays with me in in, in Arizona, um, obviously, because there's a lot of day-to-day stuff that pops up in the off-season as well, and he'll go home for the holidays and stuff, but a lot of times, um, yeah, we're working on projects in the off-season as well, Um, so so it it works out that we're able to, to be there, and he's able to be at the house and and they're working on stuff there
2: as well. Very cool. Well, we'll have to have a interview with him one of these days with you not in the car, and we'll get his side <laughs> and see how how it I differs like it. from what you maybe. just tell. Uh, <laughs>
3: that's true. Maybe maybe when you uh, come to the house, you can do that. We can do that.
1: There you go. You can do that special interview. <laughs> yeah.
2: We'll, we'll get yeah. the real inside scoop, and then and then he tells me he's uh, he's holding out. There's an arbitrator and uh, holding out for contract negotiations, and he's got other sponsors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, Other players, you know, beating on his door Uh, in in a serious capacity, though. I mean, obviously, we've seen a number of players, you know, have these great support systems. You know, Ari was also one of the ones that had, you know, really dedicated herself and and Fern has stepped into that role. Do you feel as if just generically speaking, we're going to see more of that is is, you know, what would be your and this would be a question for him, too, but what would be your. Recommendation for someone that's sitting at home and saying, "Hey, I don't think I'm going to make it as a a pro, or that's just not where I'm at right now." And I would really love to be on the team of blank. Like, yeah. would would you have any uh you know initial thoughts or recommendations? Yeah,
3: so I would say, yeah. I mean, just just like anything, uh, you know, ask ask asking you shall receive. You know, like if ask ask a player, uh, hey, do you, do you, is this something you'd be into if you're if you're wanting to do that. Say hey, you looking for any help um, next season? Um, reach out to them, see if they have any interest of it in it. Because if a player does feel like they have too much on their plate and they want to delegate certain things, and you can help um, as a potential tour manager, uh, that's definitely something that you know is starting to become more of an option and more of a job role that you know is you know sustainable. And so I think that you know as as we get more and more money, more and more sponsors that also means more you know more contracts more emails more point all that stuff Mm -hmm. so as as you guys know I'm a disc golfer I'm not a I'm not a tax person I'm not a you know contract lawyer none of that stuff so um so having someone help with all that stuff helps you be able to to go outside and 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 putt for two hour or an hour Mm -hmm. and a half a day instead of doing emails for that long
2: yeah no I mean I I think of your team and I I just I so applaud and always reference you and what you've done, obviously at a lot of events, you guys are are physically set up and vending, which is an opportunity to be making money, whether it's for yourself or for the whole team, but just a an on site yeah. person to person vending situation and then knowing that you know Sunstein Law has helped you out with some stuff in the past knowing that uh, you know LWS uh, helps you out with some contract stuff shout out to LWS who does our taxes exactly (laughs) so like you know all of these all of these different you know that's why all these people exist and and how they're now becoming more and more viable and then having someone like Fern do what he does which is a a ton of additional work and in whether he's a conduit or exclusively handles some of There's, there's just a lot of stuff going on. Is there, with all that said, and I know, I know, Dynamic takes really good care of you, but is there any other need that you have right now from a sponsor perspective? If, if you know, just kind of as an open-ended question, someone said, "Hey, I do blank. Um, You know, I wonder if this would help or benefit Rick. Is there, is there any other?" Kind of need that's that you can that's swirling around in your head that you currently aren't connected with.
3: Um, I'm not. That's a good question. I mean, I think that you know it's it's kind of like a type of thing where when the opportunity arises, you know, if someone reaches out and says, "Hey, I have this company," or I you know I'm associated with X company, like then that's kind of when it opens my eyes. But I and and I, that's also what like what you guys said, LWS. They also do the sports agency stuff for mm-hmm. us. So if there's a company that, like, hey, can you pursue uh, a random, I don't know, let's say apparel or beach company or whatever. Shoes, jerky, they'll, they'll, sure, yeah, yeah. Shoes, yeah, exactly. So they'll reach out and, and uh, give them all the numbers. Obviously, like, hey, here's Ricky, here's his impressions on YouTube and, um, you know, Instagram, all that different stuff. And so that they, they can just represent, hey, here, here's the package deal for what you're getting in our player, whether it's me or Ezra or Isaac, whoever it may be. They, they, we all have their own impressions, and obviously that we represent as a brand, and so they can represent that to the company and say, "Hey, here, here's, here's the offer, here's what we, you know, here's what he's wanting per month," and you know, I'm sure there's a lot more that goes into it, but then they represent that package to them, and so that's um, another thing that's delegated to to them um, that they do, um, but but yeah, I think that that's you know, he handles a lot of that stuff, and then mostly it just comes down to like, hey there's a company that I wanted that or like a snack that I like. I'll just tell them the brand and say, Hey, hit them up and see if they're interested. And it's either yes or no. And, and then, you, you know, you, you, know, obviously that's how you get sponsors.
2: Okay. Um, is, this is kind of a side note. I'm just, I'm thinking about some overall stats and numbers and things as you were just talking about, uh, with, with that money and it was sex in that kind of, uh, I don't know. Fell into this on on Sunday afternoon. With that forty thousand dollars added uh, to your overall career earnings, uh, you're somewhere around six hundred and ninety some thousand career earnings, just shy of seven hundred. Uh, we believe that uh, Macbeth is got seven thirty six or seven whatever it is. You're you're about forty or forty eight thousand. Uh, separate from Macbeth in terms of career earnings,
1: you're like one more pro tour championship away. <laughs>
2: exactly. Do, yeah. Does does a stat like that? Does career earnings? Is that a stat you have ever looked at or care about? Is it something that's on your radar? Uh, how how do you feel it's, about career I mean, earnings?
3: It's definitely cool. I think anytime you can add stats and like give someone a shoot for like, hey, let's who could be the first one to make it to a million? You know that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. You know, and okay. so I think that obviously me and Paul being, you know, being in the game as long as we have, like, you know, I'm sure we're the two highest right now. Um, I think that, you know, that's going to be kind of a cool storyline. Like who's going to, who's going to hit the million first, you know? Um, You know, so that's definitely, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, that's, that's, that's definitely something fun to shoot for as a competitor. You're always looking for milestones to break and records to beat. And, and so that's just going to kind of add to that.
2: Okay. I, I just, it was something that, uh, again, I'm not sure. Well, obviously, everyone's talking about, you know, that significant of a paycheck getting added to your overall ter- total earnings for the year. And then, uh, I think that's what kind of got the juices flowing for, for, uh, Sexton to look into it. Quick sidebar to that, since we're kind of in that neighborhood. Uh, again, abbreviated season, of course, but w- what does that say about our sport when Kristen, uh, you know, kind of a fellow teammate of sorts within the same you know overall branding. Kristen, largest money winner in a single season ever this year out of all players MPO or FPO. Uh, how do you react to that?
3: I mean, it's just it's it's very impressive. Right? I mean, as a as a top athlete myself, I you know I totally respect that. And uh, people just have to realize how how consistent how hard it is to play at the top level, as you guys are seeing. Um, it's, hard, it's hard out there sometimes, uh, you know, it doesn't always go your way and, and to, for her to win as much as she has is, is extremely impressive and obviously she's getting rewarded and uh, she's well deserves the money she makes because she uh, she's just a great competitor who has all the shots, she knows how to handle pressure, she knows how to handle nerves um, and so she's just got the full package. Uh, and and it's, it is very impressive to watch. I enjoy watching the FPO coverage before, before my rounds. I'll, I'll, I'll turn it on and and watch her. Um, but yeah, she's just got it all. She's such a good shot shaper. I think that's really where she sets herself apart. she can shape a backhand, she can shape a forehand. Um, she's got no weaknesses, and I think that that's you know just something that's you know she's going to be great for the next eight to ten years. No doubt about that.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's easy for us to forget that. Um, you know, she's, she's 31, 32. She obviously has a daughter uh, and that she's prof- competed in other professional sports and you just as you just said 8, eight to 10 years she's going to clearly be good for a long time yet and we're going to continue to see a lot of people come up and try and challenge her um, but it's uh it's it's just wild to see and it's awesome my only my follow up to all of that is she landed in Estonia and was greeted with flowers are, are, is somebody going to have flowers at your place when you finally get into your house tonight
3: <laughs> I'm not sure I uh, so I actually Airbnb'd my house this year to like try, test it out while I was on the tour. Okay. Um, so if anyone wants to Airbnb my house with the <laughs> next off-season, next season, let me okay. know. Heck yeah. Uh, but um, so we'll see if the property management left me some flowers. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, Chris got me there. <laughs>
2: uh, uh, and do you, uh, that, That's kind of funny. I think, like, in theory... If it went to a disc golfer, you should be getting some premium that it's Ricky Wysocki's. Like to Joe, Sh- you know, to Joe and four buddies who just play golf, or they're down there to watch, you know, the PGA tour or something else, whatever. Yeah. Maybe they don't care, but you've got to assume yeah. you're going to get some disc golfers that are going to be in there that are going to want your place.
3: Yeah, I've never really advertised it like like it's my house, so uh-huh. people don't really know for sure. But I do have uh, baskets in the back. So in the Airbnb like listing, I have uh, baskets and stuff, and like, and the the maids that clean it, they'll like put the discs on the on the kitchen table, so like you can go put in the backyard. <laughs> so I have a couple. I've had a couple reviews of people like, oh, I've never played disc golf, but I went and putted in the back It's so uh, fun nice. and all this stuff. So, so yeah, it's kind of a cool little, uh, cool it's cool to have a little you know a couple baskets in the backyard for people to throw at and have fun, even if they've never played before.
2: Give right. everyone the sales pitch. What what are some of the other amenities included uh, at your at your house?
3: So we call it the Desert Oasis. Yeah, that's what it's called. That's what the name of it is on Airbnb. We got baskets. We got you can play at night. I've strung up lights so that way when I practice putt at night, uh, I can I can see. So you got night bat night basket pool. You got a hot. High- you got. Let's see what else we got here. We got a pool table, poker table. Um, we have a nice big kitchen. I have I have closed off my my theater movie room though there's I have a movie room that I've actually I locked the door and don't let anybody in there that's my personal space that's the man cave there sorry <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but that and then the garage kind of like I'll put all my purse some of my personal stuff in the garage when I leave for the tour and then lock that and then everybody has access to everything except the the garage and the movie but there's okay. still, still four other bedrooms for you, so you're, you should have plenty of space. Four other bedrooms.
2: <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Good.
3: And there's a bedroom for you, Terry, and, and and if you want to, Johnny, too. Oh, well, thank
1: you. If All you, right. Maybe yeah. uh, maybe come next spring, we'll we'll get a chance to get over there. Terry will be there in a few weeks, don't yeah,
2: worry. Yeah, I, I just might take you up on it. I'm coming out for the PLO, uh, the Phoenix Ladies Open. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna-
3: Lily's going to play that. So, yeah, you should definitely come stay.
2: All right, sweet. Well, that uh, that uh, looks to be the plan. Uh, all right, Rick, We uh, how, how much longer do you have before you get home? I know you ran into traffic today, but are you almost home?
3: Yeah, we did. Yeah, we ran into traffic, but uh, two and a half hours. So uh, I'm so excited to just flop on my bed and not do anything <laughs> for a couple days. I'm super excited.
2: Good. Uh, all right. Well, before we let you go. It's funny because that's
1: what the Diamondbacks <laughs> did. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I,
3: I haven't been able to watch because I've been talking to you guys. What happened? No
1: bueno. Uh, you. Let's just say the Diamondbacks need to win out. <laughs>
3: oh God!
1: They lost ten. Right, it was it was a massacre.
3: Oh, Ouch! Well, the bummer is I bought tickets for Saturday, thinking like, oh, they're not going to get swept, and then like if they they could get swept, and Saturday it might not even be a thing. <laughs> I I don't think
1: they'll get swept, but oh, yeah.
3: it's, no, I don't think so. either. The way the Phillies are playing, <laughs> hopefully-
1: it's t- it's it's looking it's tough, man. They're playing hard.
2: All right, Rick, give us uh give everyone your your shout-outs, your thanks, uh you know, people either you want to recognize or or any other final call-outs and uh anything else you need before we let you go here tonight. I'd like to thank Terry. <laughs> okay, Rick's Rick's currently for,
3: uh, and of course, Dynamic, Dynamic Disc, my sponsor.
2: All right, Rick, Jackson, Rick, Rick, we're going to have you start over. We want to make sure it's nice and clean. You, you chopped up on us for a second, so start over from the top. Okay. Who do you got?
3: Okay, sorry. I want to thank my team, obviously. I want to thank Fern. Uh, he's obviously helped a lot. I want to thank my girlfriend, Lily. She helps a lot of stuff as well. And I want to thank uh, my sponsor, Dynamic Disc, and they uh, support me even when I was hurt, injured, and circle one as well circle one is also another my apparel sponsor this year uh polos and all that cool stuff that i was wearing so that's uh that's been fun to to rock that and thank you guys it's awesome to be able to share some share some my thoughts with the fans and uh thanks for giving me the platform to do that
1: yeah Yeah, uh, obviously you're always welcome here rick we'd love to have you every each and every time that you're uh that you're available and we can't thank you enough uh, and, for coming on the show.
3: And one other last thing I want to say is I want to also shout out my foundation. We are doing a tournament in Phoenix in January. Uh, I'm not sure yet the date, but it's going to be the beginning of early next year. We're going to do uh, some sort of pro-am type thing. And uh, so be on the lookout for that. I'm going to be posting that, and uh, that'll be great.
2: Sweet. Well, Rick, uh, c- you know, of course, congratulations. Congratulations on making the season that you did with the abbreviated time frame, And I, I know how painful it was to sit out and, you know, to battle the way you did, but then to come back and then still, you know, finish fourth in the tour standings to give yourself the positioning and then, you know, have this epic battle and, and tour championship. It was pretty awesome to see everything down the stretch. So uh, congratulations on overall, just an incredible season and thank you for joining us here tonight and hopefully I'll see you in a couple of weeks.
3: Yes, we'll see. I'll, I'll get your room ready after I flop on my
1: bed. <laughs> <laughs> give, give him two or three days, and yeah. then he'll make your bed. Yeah, yeah. I want
2: a different bed. Yes, yeah, not yeah, that exactly. one. That's weird. Okay. All right, Rick. You guys be safe. Uh, love to everyone else you're traveling with, and uh, we'll see uh, you soon. Have a good one.
1: <laughs> Ricky, why, Socky. Sometimes here, sometimes not. You know, that... I- you get that when you're driving, especially like him driving in Arizona through some desert areas. Yeah. I'm sure if he's only a few hours away, it's not necessarily the most uh, conducive to, uh, to, 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 a, to a live broadcast like that. But obviously, as always, we want to thank him for his time and uh, and joining us because he put on a phenomenal show. Honestly, his putting, <sighs> I, I just think of him and Ezra Robinson. Their putting this weekend was insane. Watching Ricky just drain a long putt and then Ezra drain a long putt, then Ricky drain a long putt. It was really, it was a really fun watch. Um, I got to watch the MPO this weekend and it was, uh, it was good. It was a good broadcast, Terry Miller. Yeah, it was, uh,
2: you know, one thing that we still struggled with and, uh, you know from a technology perspective is is there's just a few spots on that course in particular
1: 13 14 13 15-ish. 14
2: yeah definitely all come to mind as ones that really struggle in terms of the the location and I know they have extra uh, you know signal boosters and things of that type and network stuff and all this other stuff and it's just as much as everyone says well how is it still this way well, because the technology to some degree is still s- no. still limiting to some degree. Like
1: it's it, a little ways away from Charlotte. It's like a half hour outside of like downtown Charlotte, I think I had heard. No. Is that right?
2: I don't know about that, but uh I don't know if it's no. quite that far. But no. th- nonetheless, oh, I here okay. here this would be my analogy. You have the Google Pickle, Pixel Pixel well, 7 and you get the 8. There might be incremental improvements, but it's not going to be revolutionary in the same year. That's kind of where I feel like some of the technology and overall cellular servicing and devices are as well. And I and I'm not I'm not here to make excuses or anything of that nature. I'm just trying to explain. I, I saw someone say, well, you know, all of it's really not that hard. Hmm, if right. they just wanted to spend the money. They they said that part. Uh, well, the money meaning millions upon millions of dollars.
1: Well, yeah. A lot of money makes things a lot really easy. Exactly.
2: So um I understand that it's it can be frustrating uh, sometimes for some to watch.
1: I, I'm not is, making
2: any excuses. That's uh, just where we're at.
1: Which is funny because I didn't think it was that bad this weekend. Like, there were some spots where it got a little pixelated. I know because I was cutting the FPO show, and we ran into the same things at times. And with the MPO show, there's usually a few more spectators, which means there's more bandwidth being used. We've talked about this for years now. Um but like when I got to hole 14, I took a lot of them from the catch cam because that was the more open tee mm-hmm. or the old more open camera. And you just kind of have to play around yeah, the, the things. And I've explained this to multiple people that people can get frustrated with is, um, well, how come you use this camera on this shot? Like th- this is the worst angle you can choose. And I just explained sometimes you just have to work with what you're given. It's yeah. not necessarily the ideal camera that I would always want to take, but maybe we're down a camera because a cameraman has to switch batteries, like the our Camera 3, who is the, uh, who's the gimbal camera. He's got to carry that thing, and sometimes they take breaks because that isn't necessarily the most easy thing to do. Or when they do want to switch out, change batteries, or remove ponchos, or whatever they're doing, for someone like Camera 3, that takes a lot longer because they kind of have to disassemble and reassemble some things. We saw it at one point um, at... Uh, on day one, I actually covered MPO on day one uh, because of some scheduling issues. Camera three was following Ricky into the woods. Sorry, Rick, you were going in the woods. Probably one of his double, one of bogeys. His double
2: bogeys. He had more than any other uh, uh,
1: MPO player. And suddenly he, we get to hit the spot and the camera suddenly flips upside down. And it's just literally the gimbal battery. I, I don't know if it came unplugged or just died. So the gimbal, which is obviously constantly being balanced by, you know, this little motor just gave out and flipped upside down. And at that point I'm like, Oh crap, I got to pick another camera. And then you just take a camera that you can. I know we've been saying this for years and we'll continue to say it growing pains. They're getting less and less, you know, it's, we have more options than we ever had before, but nothing is going to be, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to be the NFL, the PGA anytime soon. And we just keep working with what we have. And, that's what we do, but I didn't think the signal was.
2: Yeah, there were ready. there were sections where it definitely struggled on both MPO and FPO rounds. Uh, you know, if you if you're seeing it pixelated at home, we're seeing it pixelated on our screen as well. And yeah, uh, I'll say it again. That's what we said during when, when talking to Rick. That can be one of the additional challenges when you go to some of these more wooded courses. It's not just the woods. It also can depend on the actual location. You might have a wide open course out in the middle of nowhere with no signal. That's possible too. Or sometimes you're uh, buried in the heart of a course, but it's close enough to signal. So it's it's flawless. There, Those are all the things that we're continuously working through um and again i'm not making excuses i'm just making an explanation that it's it's not nearly as easy as everyone thinks that it is no, it's, uh and, and in, until there's uh multi millions of dollars uh getting put into it it's it's not just going to magically appear to be crystal clear and, and even then it's still going to be
1: tough it's, it's still tough it, it's just, we're still following people,
2: and... people through the woods to show you frisbee golf shots like just it's still going to be difficult.
1: Um, and the last thing I'll say on this is one f- kind of funny chuckle I got is the whole, um, someone had posted how much money the disc golf pro tour put into, I think the, the event and this and that. And then they had said something like TV truck, only 4,500 bucks. <laughs> and I just was just like, and I just responded, I said, well, if you think a TV truck is going to solve our problems, I question every one of your takes from here on out. Like, yeah. It just, it, I, yeah, I gotta I gotta kick out of that. But let's talk about the FPO division. Well, first let's run through the MPO and how everybody finished. Obviously The non winners. The non winners. Don't losers. call them losers. No, the losers. Okay. They all lost. You said it. Yeah. Well, they all lost. They can they can admit it to it or not. They all lost to Ricky. <laughs> Hate to say it, but they did. Uh the very first loser was Kyle Klein only
2: winning 22,000.
1: Yeah, I mean, he won the week before and he lost this week. You know, we call it like we see it. Um, uh, second place was Kyle Klein in by a single stroke, but as Ricky said, it probably could have been two if Ricky had really tr- made an effort on that uh, or or maybe it could have been three with the way Ricky was playing um if he really wanted to to push it on that final hole. But Kyle Klein putting up just a really good weekend, really good two weeks to be honest. Um, to get to himself a second place, and what was it twenty twenty two thousand two thousand dollars, yes. and
2: becoming the the guy to win the most in you in know like one a, month period or something yeah, of that nature of fifty two thousand. Well, first and second at two of your largest payouts of the year, will do that.
1: That'll do that, which will be probably be broken next year with all the majors at the end of the year. <laughs> like, yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. A uh, third place, Calvin Heinberg shooting eleven down. Uh, uh, he shot a nine down on the final round, so he made a huge push jumping up three spots to get to that third place. He looked really, really good that final round. Did not look so good the third round, unfortunately, and put him in a real hole compared to Ricky where he would have had to really do something miraculous and need probably a little help up top in order for him to come back and win. Tied for fourth place, Isaac Robinson and Adam Hammes. Adam, as we said, fought his way. I don't want to say snuck in, but fought his way into the finals Having to sit and watch some competitors finish up, you know, watching Proctor miss a putt and these things that just stacked up to let Adam get in. And he made, I don't say he made the most of it, but he made a pretty good uh, fourth place finish. Fifth place, or I'm sorry, tied single sixth place. I'm sorry about that. Gannon Burr. Seventh place, Joel Freeman. Eighth place, Ezra Robinson. And then tied for ninth, Anthony Barella and Cole Radolin. So that is your DGBT championship. On the MPO side, uh, do you have any other takes from the MPO? Like I said, I thought Ezra, it was fun watching Ezra Robinson. He ended up kind of falling down the the board a little bit, but he was putting in putts from everywhere on that course. It felt like at one point I was thinking, is, are the Robinson brothers the best one-two combo with, like, I think Isaac is probably one of the best C1 putters in our game, and Ezra might be one of the best C two putters in our game. The way the way it's looking, so got a kick out of that. Terry, did you have any takes on the MPO? Uh, nothing.
2: Nothing else crazy. Uh, you know, it was cool to see. First of all, that the players obviously got used to the course. For as much as everyone you know called it daunting and, and knew how difficult it was. It's crazy that within a couple of days, they kind of figured it out. The wins were also low all weekend, which I'm sure didn't hurt anything. But nonetheless, the scoring's that impressive. There was just so much respect and almost almost even a fear of that course going into it than to see them uh, finish the way they did, the birdies that were strung together by the likes of Hammes, Heimberg, uh, you know, obviously Ricky at one point, and a, a number of those players, uh, Robinson. I thought that was really impressive. It, no surprise you know again we have this conversation and i it, i'm a contractor otherwise doesn't matter we have the conversation that purely from an aesthetics perspective finishing on 17 and 18 is not something that i loved i understand times a million why the holes were way they were the way they were so that people could see them they obviously were incredibly daunting and challenging playing as two of the most difficult holes on the course i get all of that you I don't liked, have to sell me on that
1: i like the whole 18 design that it gave you an opportunity to go for the 3 of course to, but you know but it but, did, from the, i'll say the drone angle which looked really cool also looked really tacky with all the field bingo. lines and bingo
2: the, we're we are literally and i get it i am i'm so not ripping on anyone, which
1: which is really strange because if you think about it just this past with yesterday, maybe even Um, college basketball went into a football arena, set up a court and there's this huge drone picture of a basketball court perpendicular, basically in the end zone is what it would be. It looked like it's bigger than that, but it's in the end zone and the stadium full of people. And all I was thinking is like, does that look tacky? Like that basketball is going into a college football stadium, setting it up. Hockey does that, like, once a yeah,
2: year. Yeah, but it's all about the stands Co- and the fans. Correct.
1: Cross-country. The indoor. They, you know, some of their, you know, if you talk to, and granted this is, you know, a lot of high school, but, you know, a lot of their stuff are on golf courses where they draw lines, and, and, and they're running through w- woods or fields or whatever the heck this cross country people do mo most yeah, probably cross pulling, country they're literally supposed to run across yeah, i know most probably that's yelling a different, at me right now yeah that's different but, but i just uh, think of some of these <laughs> other sports that are literally pushing themselves into other arenas and we are playing on a different environment because that's the level of which we're at because we need the space though we need Co- the open
2: correct. space and that's why they're closing out on those holes I just don't like it. And and it's the okay. same reason nobody likes to see us mm-hmm. throwing over a parking lot at Winthrop. You know, there's there's just things that at some point we're going to leave those in the past and I understand it's infrastructure and it's all in due time and it'll all happen and I'm not trying to get all snooty and elitist, you know, as to where professional disc golf is because we've made these insane strides. I just it There's something about the the best way to understand how eighteen is played and seventeen is with a drone, and then the drone unfortunately is just saying, oh okay, so we're playing
1: through someone's soccer field mm-hmm. i just I just I, don't I love guess, it i don't yeah. think anyone loves it i think I think if the soccer uh, lines weren't there, would that make you feel better like if if, if that was just uh, largely brass.
2: yeah, if it was just a, a like a field that was strung, that would somehow make it feel a little bit better mm-hmm. to me, and that maybe is really nitpicky. But it just it we're just it just looks like we're playing disc golf across the soccer field, and and there is no shot at the club, and we're doing it so we can have as many spectators be able to see what's happening. I understand. I'm not an idiot. I just I don't think anyone loves that look. No, I don't. All th- said I think you're up. right.
1: I think you're right. It's just again what we're what we're kind of stuck with.
2: So um, no, I, I don't know if there's anything else though from the MPO perspective necessarily that was groundbreaking or earth shattering. All right, well, uh, let's we talk saw about FPO. we saw who made it and who didn't.
1: All right, moving on to FPO, Missy Gannon, what big, big money Missy, as they seem to call her. She shows up for the big events. That tends to win the the uh, the large purse. She likes events. to do that. Yeah, she. Uh, it was funny because when she won, Jeff announced like our first two time champion, and all of us in the control room were like, "Nope." Not true. <laughs> like, Katrina, I think, has won twice. Um, and then we have had a couple. You know, Dickerson won twice. Ricky had at the time won twice, then ended up getting his third time. So it, it was really funny internally listening to Jeff. And he, I, I don't know what he meant to say, if if he just missed something or, uh, or just. Uh, I, I, I
2: will never second guess somebody else. Either uh oh God, no. misstepping or mispronouncing and or uh no. jumbling up something we've, either. We've made plenty uh, of mistakes. <laughs> yeah. I'll do that ten more times tonight and then I'll jumble it up next time I get on any other microphone. But yes, it it, it was not necessarily uh Missy's Missy wasn't the first to be our No, she wasn't. First and FPL. Missy
1: jumped up two spots to get to that first place. She was a two seed going into the event, but even that final round, I believe she was in like uh she was in third place clearly. Jumped up two spots to get to first place, uh, shooting a three under par that round. While Owen Scoggins, who took second place, tied with Cat Merch, struggled on the back nine mightily and just took bogey after bogey after bogey to really set her back and cost her the win, is really ultimately what it did. So Owen Scoggins takes second, tied with Cat Merch. Cat Just a pretty solid weekend. Nothing didn't feel like anything spectacular for Kat. Just really played round after round after round and just played well. Uh, Maybe the biggest surprise, so to speak, is Kristen Tatar in fourth place. She shot a one-over par that round and moved up. I'm sorry, she shot a one-under par that round, a one-over par total, and moved up a spot. She was on our chase card that Mm -hmm. final day, which... Not very often you say Kristen Tar on the chase card the final day. Um, Kristen just made, she made some Instagram posts talking about how she was happy the season was over. The end of the season didn't go as the way she uh, completely imagined that she hit all of her season-long goals, but just some, it seems like some mental and maybe a little physical struggles at the end of the season. You can understand her being away from home. We, we've said it numerous times with some of the players that, uh, A little bit more difficult for Kristen probably to keep that well full, as Ricky says so eloquently. Um, Kristen tied for fourth with Haley King in sixth place, Allie Smith. And Allie was kind of our surprise, so to speak, to get into the finals, the semifinal round. She was out of position, moved herself up to get into position. And I'm going to pat myself on the back just a little bit. That final day... In the control room, we're all looking at the scores. Mo already has some storylines planned out. And I had, she was one that I had said, I said, listen, if someone's going to sneak in, I think it's going to be Allie Smith. And Mo was like, I don't know. I'm not sure. He's like, she might just be a little too far out of it. And I was like, maybe, you know, any of us could be right. We don't know. But Allie Smith did get herself into the final. So congratulations, Allie. Seventh place, Stacey Ronsley. And 8th place, Jen Allen. So those are your top 8. And you're only 8 in the finals for the FPO division. So congratulations to the women. Um, and, of course, Missy Gannon getting 40 k An amazing payout, as we always say, with these uh, tour championships.
2: Yeah, and he, I, I guess you have to do the math. Well, you don't, because it doesn't I, really matter. Gonna do I was going to say, uh, Jen Allen had just made the joke that after she had made the one from the semifinals and then made it into the finals, we heard her as she was <laughs> kind of getting ready to leave the, the course or close out around. round. She's like, "Oh, I got to go change my flight. Uh, not necessarily expecting to make it into the finals. Uh, just get it from, if you made it into the semis, you got 2,500 on the FPO side. And then even if you took eighth place as she did by a single stroke, you you made four grand. So as long as her
1: as long so as long her 15, airfare. <laughs> $1,500 difference. Mm-hmm. An extra
2: night, two nights at a hotel if you stay there. Let's say it's airfare. 300 bucks.
1: Yeah. And then an airfare changes. Extending say, on your rental car. Two. I mean, she probably still came out at least eight hundred ahead, and she
2: probably didn't pay for <laughs> most of those things. I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, I think she. I'm pretty sure she's a Southwest kind of gal like I am, so oh, yeah. she probably, uh, you so know, change your flights for free. Everything was good to go, and obviously, I do not. I, I'm, no. I'm jokingly saying that because clearly she could have turned her twenty five hundred into to forty thousand had she uh, went on to win it. So, but. Uh, Yeah, that was kind of one of the funny side stories. Another story that we'll just briefly touch on, especially since you guys asked about it earlier. uh, It it was after the round, the semis uh, concluded, so round two technically on Friday. If you were watching or listening to the static camera that was on hole 18. The companion. The companion stream, the static camera that was on hole 18 you could overhear, or hear, I guess over is not even the right word, you could hear um, a conversation that seemed to get a little punchy. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, a verbally, little, uh, figuratively. A little, a little heated. A yeah. little heated. Yeah, let's
1: not say punchy. A <laughs> exactly. Little
2: heated. Uh, figuratively punchy. A little heated conversation. And largely, just basically stemmed around the fact of you know Jessica Weiss had closed out uh, and struggled mightily to close out. I think she went bogey and then five uh, x bogey or four x, yes. uh, not quad, but and whatever that is. Yeah, she took uh, a,
1: she took a nine. She
2: took yeah. a nine, so that would be a quad bogey. That uh, that one I can pronounce. It's par five, yeah. Yeah, so it's a par five, and and kind of um, crazy enough. If Jessica, instead of going five over on the last two holes, just goes four over on the last two holes, I think she makes it into the finals. So she's clearly devastated and is specifically frustrated on hole 18. I mean, 17 a bogey, okay, you can live with. Just knowing, hey, I can get single or double or triple, and I move in. I go from that 2,500 to at least a guaranteed 4,000. And when the hole was done after Jessica had gone out OB multiple times
1: and the U-Disc eventually got completely updated to no fault of U-Disc. Well, if you were watching U-Disc, it it changed scores probably four different times. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Three or four
2: different times. There was a number we thought was happening. We were unsure of. Then it got changed. Then it got changed yet again. It ended up settling on a nine. And you could hear some of the conversation of Jessica essentially trying to add the score and and what sounded like Katrina maybe second guessing not necessarily well yeah kind of second guessing a score that was spit out but then also how to arrive at that score it sounded like it was just a matter of philosophy for how Jessica I think likes to just add her scores uh as as the throws and say well I'm I'm lying to throwing 3 oh I went OB so I'm throwing 5 or whatever she likes to do it that way Katrina um my understanding, likes to do as I do, because I'm not, I'm not very smart uh, on my part. I love to say, how many times did you throw the Frisbee? And then add the strokes at the end. That's how I personally the do it. OB I understand strokes. a lot of people will do it the other way, and that's fine too. However you arrive at the right thing. I like to say, because I just think it's easiest, how many times did you throw it? And then what penalties need to be added on top of it? At any rate, it sounded as if... There was just a discussion at how to arrive at the score, what the score was, and if there was, in fact uh, pleasantries that went along with all of this. And, and that was by and large the end of it. I think there was a scorekeeper, uh, the official scorekeeper of the event, he posted somewhere on Facebook saying, kind of basically rehashing everything I just said, and he said that there was a little bit of um, what was the term you used? It, it was just it got a little bit it got a little uh, heated: heated. It got a little heated. In that overall exchange. Because I think that's all that's gonna that's all that's yeah, gonna come no. of it.
1: Well, there was originally a post that said, and, and I don't know where this came from or why someone would even say this. That it got heated, it almost came to blows, and Katrina could be suspended the beginning of the year. Yeah, which a hundred percent false. Yeah, like, sounds it, like it never like way an exaggeration. It never came. My understanding is it never came close to coming to blows. It was just a little snippiness back and forth. There's. As we've said with the FPO division, it's a smaller division. You play with a lot of the same players over and over and over. At some point, and especially towards the end of the season, <laughs> everybody's well is empty. I'm sure you're sick of probably seeing the same person over and over and over. We've, we used to say it about the lead card of the MPO. Remember, like, oh, everyone's always playing with the same four people. Like, it's always Ricky and Paul and so-and-so-and-so-and-so. And, so and just, gosh, you'd think that, you know, they would just be sick of it. FPO is a smaller division, and you just—it's an end of season, man. I—I I don't fault really either of them. It's just—it's time to put the discs away. Yeah, take a break. <laughs> go to Mexico. Go to Mexico. Lay on your bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way it is, you know. And not everybody's going to get along. Not everybody has to be buddy buddy and chummy chummy.
2: And, and you, you, you—we all know. As I stuttered through it, we all know. Katrina's had some struggles with her game that clearly impact her mentally. And I'm not making excuses for anyone, but Katrina has been open and upfront about all of that. And we've seen it on camera. And we also watched how Jessica frustratingly closed out the round. So you can understand emotions are probably, you know, all over the place for a lot of people. And, and again, no fists were thrown Uh whether or not somebody feels like this still is a is something you want to put on note and maybe any one of the competitors sure. or card mates may say, hey, you know, just for the sake of having a paper trail, they may still submit it and document it. I wouldn't be opposed to that if you feel strongly enough about it just to have it on paper. Um, I, I don't think it's that big of a secret that a number of years ago, Jessica and Kat were very much at odds with one another a number of years ago, yeah. where it was seemingly a week in and week out thing for a little while. I feel like they've potentially buried that hatchet since then, and maybe some of that resurfaced or bubbled, and maybe it was all the situation. But having having it on record might not be the worst thing either. Again, because they're likely going to play together at some point and you have something else to reference. But who knows? I, I'll say let's not get too,
1: uh, dwell too,
2: too worked up on it. I, I will say I posted the payouts on Sunday and I said, does anybody have any thoughts on this? And as a what I would consider a pretty good sport, Jessica was one <laughs> that replied to my Facebook. She was, in fact, the first person to reply and said, I said, does anybody have any thoughts on the payout here that's going to happen today? There's all these records and so on and so forth. What do you think about it? And she wrote, quote, I think I really blew it on 17 and 18 this week <laughs> with a facepalm emoji. Honesty. Yeah.
0: And I, and I and I Respect replied that. at that
2: time <laughs> uh, just saying, certainly heartbreaking for you. Fuel to come back stronger next year. So, yeah. uh, but just the fact that she could, you know, own it. And, and uh, you know, as you said, the honesty, so. Nonetheless, nothing for nothing, uh, congrats to Missy Gannon. Congrats to all the finalists or even the semifinalists that had an opportunity to be there, to be in the top 12 or the top 20. They
1: all got 1500 yeah, bucks, or whatever, $2,500, 1500
2: To be there and oh, to have wow. that experience, I'll, I'll remind you, at one, $1 dollars was an insane payout for winning an FPO tournament. And now we have women that are showing up that have just, so to speak, made it. And with that, they're going to be walking home with $1,500 or $2,500 or whatever those numbers are, and then forty grand to go to Missy Gannon. Uh, incredible. And as I said with Ricky, the other quick note I'll, I'll put on that, even with winning only, in air quotes, uh, like nine or, or $10,000, Kristen... Goes on to still become our overall single season record record holder at like around one hundred and sixteen thousand dollars, and I I think that is awesome. I think it's even cooler that no, not only is she back to back as hundred thousand dollars plus, but the fact that she straight up just holds the record in MPO or FPO.
1: I'll say the same thing I said last year. Odds are next year, it'll be a new record. Sure. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it'll, it'll be even
2: cooler if it's her. <laughs> it, it,
1: I know. It's, <laughs> it's great in general. I'm not I'm not uh, dismissing it in any means. It's just we're in an area, a time of the sport, where it feels like things just continue to progress. And while we're not seeing a lot of the same interest jump levels that we saw during COVID times, it feels like we're still progressing. We're still, there is still, growth in the sport you know we're not seeing the double digit percentage growth that we saw the spike maybe we're just back to our normal what it used to be seven to nine percent or whatever it was of growth um and that might be fine
2: i think the real question becomes and everyone you know can kind of sit on it is are these payouts sustainable you know the pro tour The help of LL Bean, the help of
1: as long as you have sponsors,
2: Barbasol, you know, and the help of these people that we've had. Yes, are these numbers sustainable? You know that we've worked so hard to see them.
1: I think that is the big question. I think that is so tough. I think they're sustainable for these for like the tour championships because we're seeing some of these big sponsors come in, but it feels like the elite series events that keep pushing the envelope it might be getting harder and harder to keep pushing that that payout up because i'll tell you what we all know like just like i just said disc sales are down compared to the peak points in covid you can get discs now and it might be getting harder and harder to to say for instance going to innova and saying Hey man, we'd really like thirty five thousand dollars for our tournament. You know, it might just be like, Meh, I don't know, or Discraft, or DD, or whomever. I'm not just picking on one company; just anybody. Like that, which is why it is very good, and maybe even a requirement that we continue to seek outside sponsorship. And and Sean Jack, and I, I'm putting a lot of it on him, is doing a great job. We're getting companies like, you know, LWS or Barbasol or LL Bean, all those uh, halal guys. Those are great outside sponsors. Hopefully we can continue to get them because I feel like without the outside sponsors, we're going to plateau because there's a hundred percent. You're just, unless the sport continues to kind of, if if we don't foresee it, maybe something big happens. The sport takes a couple more big jumps. Manufacturers are selling a lot more discs, maybe then they'll put in more money into tournaments, but you cannot expect our manufacturers to continue to push up the levels at which they sponsor events year over year over year. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Unless they're seeing the returns. And I, we don't see their books, so I don't know for sure. Maybe they are. Maybe they, they, they can afford to do this and, you know they they're looking at $35,000 and going yeah we can really afford 50 but we'll just keep it at 35 for now and next year we'll go 37 and then thirty i don't know the numbers but uh yeah that's i i i don't know if sustainable is um possible possible
2: uh one other big note that we saw that was announced since last week's show um was the fact that we're going to see three of our, our our last three events to be um, broadcast on the CBS Sports Network and in some capacity, and I don't have it in directly in front yeah, of me. Yeah,
1: I think there's going to be an edited version of USDGC, Throw Pink, and the Tour Championship, I believe edited down probably to an hour, Put on the CBS Sports. Uh, there you have got the announcement in front of you. My guess is that it's going to be very similar to what we've seen in the past with, like, Bluefoot doing a lot of the stuff, probably some sort of voiceover, a little, some narrative. You, God help us if there's a 20-minute introduction to the sport of disc golf at the beginning of each one. I will probably get very frustrated. Um, but just in general, hopefully, you know, a, a good, clean explainer on... The events. Yeah,
2: as you just said, and they're set to air right now, uh, November 13th, November 27th, and December 11th. I believe those are all Monday night time slots. Please,
1: please, disc golfers, remember, this isn't for you.
2: Don't. Yeah, don't get all mad when they're not telling you, oh, this is Ricky's fourth run fell yeah, in. This,
1: this, isn't, <laughs> this isn't meant to be shot by shot coverage. Nobody on CBS mm. wants to watch shot by shot coverage of a final round. Yes. Or, like, that's not how we're selling the sport. This is just, yes. s- th- let's be honest, this is to sell the sport to sponsors outside commercials and CBS or maybe ESPN in the future or whatever. This yeah, is this a is- story that will have disc golf. You've already watched all these. You've already watched it. So,
2: and you know what happened. Yeah,
1: so you, you don't need to get all, all frustrated. Oh, uh, they will. And, and they I know will. they will. And yell like, oh, I can't believe they didn't show this or this. Or I didn't even know how Ricky got to that position. And yeah. it's like, ugh.
2: So that that was announced last week. And uh, looking forward to seeing it. So, Anytime you have it on something of that scale, I know you're also going to complain. Some will complain and say, well, there still isn't such and such network with such and such. And it's up against football or whatever. Just Just... I, I think a good takeaway that I've really been trying to lean into as I see, you know, sometimes when you see a lot of criticisms, just take a little win and run with it. You don't always, and myself included, I you don't always have to everything. find the, the the singular most nitpicky and or, uh, you know, self-serving negative to every single announcement and thing that gets released. And I feel like and and it's not just disc golfers clearly it, it's all of us but sometimes just take the little win just like give a little minor fist bump pump and be like yeah that's cool and don't worry about like the ne- the like really specific minor thing that then is not self you know serving you well it's it's for the
1: greater good let's continue to focus on the negative <laughs> yes. terry miller um you briefly brought up with ricky the Spectator situation. Yeah. It feels like when you compare, and I, I don't have the numbers as to how many um, spectators there were out there, it didn't look like an outrageous number. It looked like pretty moderate. What do you think the Pro Tour can do, I don't want to say should, but can do if if they want to improve spectatorship at this event? it it's uh, the i think there's a couple of trains of thought
2: thankfully no one listens to me so this is it doesn't matter what i say
1: but there is a couple what, of trains wait, of what, thought what was that i wasn't listening
2: uh i understand someone someone even posted on our board with one kind of along those lines of well what if there was a week in between that might give some people more breathing room somebody somebody might be able to skip out of the office in charlotte on Thursday and Friday to watch USDGC, and then the next week they couldn't dare. But maybe if it was a week later, whatever. I mean, you, you, I know we're getting a little uh, specific there. I worry that that will lose more momentum than even before. And quite honestly, the players don't want that because you're not going to put another event in between there. We're already at the end of the year. Everybody is dying to go home. They just are. Everyone is ready to go home and and that's crew, but that's even the players more so the players so having a week in between i don't think that generates extra buzz or excitement although it may reduce some of the usdgc hangover one could argue and i don't think this is it's not going to happen in 2024 one could argue could the us could this be before the usdgc
1: i i was the, kind of i was the, kind of thinking that going kind to of jump ahead of them and see if that steals any well, thunder It may or may not. Just make, and my, not my idea, but a thought. Why not make MVP the the tour finale? Make this, and, and I don't know, you know, I don't know if you can have, like, so to speak, the MVP Open sponsored by Barbasol and MVP Discs powered by, I mean, we can do whatever we wanted, but do we need to have, and make that the separate championship? Make that the championship weekend at Maple Hill. It it, it feels like it's a great course. Sure. It's got some really good holes. It's iconic. It, it's a it's a place to be. You've you've got spectatorship things like that, as opposed to trying to cram because then you already have a. It's the end of the tour. It's the end of everything. Then you have a few weeks before USDGC. Uh, Again, yeah. just an idea, because I feel like putting it before U.S.G.C. a week before, or two weeks before, at that point, now you're almost out of time, um, is really difficult. You're still cramming everything at the end of the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, and similarly, just like if you go back really old school uh, to, what, year one or you year years one and two or year one, uh, what if GMC, GMC, similarly, could be the end of the season event, depending on the exact, you know, if that's middle of September... Uh, like MVP was this year, interchangeably, yeah, the conversation could be had. Uh, you'd almost like that conversation even more f- more so for uh, a smuggler's notch for the simple fact that you have the two courses and you have the two – so you have the two different styles, of course. And someone could say that's a that's a tour championship that feels even more fair because somebody could say, well, is it as good as Maple Hill is and everybody loves it seemingly or for the most part do – if you have it on the two courses that are uh, out at Smuggler's Notch, then you're definitely spreading, you know, some of the the challenge out. So e- either or, um, sure. I, I don't think that's not the dumbest idea you've ever stolen from someone else online.
1: So I'll, I I didn't steal that from anyone online. Honestly, I just I literally just thought of it a couple minutes ago. I've I've heard people say sauce. Oh, I've heard people say move it to other places. Um, and I and I was just thinking what places on the East Coast. And this year, MVP was the final event. Is it going to be every year? We don't know. It could be Smugs. It could be MVP. Um,
2: yeah. yeah. So Something uh, like that. Anyway, so there, there's... Uh, uh, I mean, the Tour Championship at one point had ended at Smuggler's Notch. Correct. So... Um, those things come to mind. I don't know what ticket prices were like if that was in fact anything that actually did. If it was a daily ticket price, or you know, or anything of that nature, or if the VIP tickets ended up being that much better that those were the only ones that were that were really sought after, but yet they were really expensive. I I don't know any of that. That's something they're going to definitely have to look at. And and then I guess the next question is, how, how much emphasis are we putting on having on site?
1: And that's, that was my, that's question. another question. If right? I said, if they want, if the pro tour is okay with just having an event without big spectatorship for their championship, then great. Keep doing what we're doing because the players don't seem to mind. They go to the event, the, the 32 men and the, the, the 16 women or 12, 24, 20. 24, whatever that number is. I forget. Um, they go, they collect a nice check. Some of them collect a very nice check and then they finish their season. So So, if they don't care that there's not a ton of spectators there, which maybe they don't because if you look at how USDGC is set up with the huge vendor village and all like they know the number of people that are coming mm -hmm. ahead of time. The pro tour in theory should know that number as well. And if they're not looking to sit like that would be very difficult. I think at Nevin to set up something like a vendor village that like that USDGC has to to match because I feel like there's a soccer field you could put it on. There is a soccer field with lines. Um, I, I think you could get a few food trucks out there and, and just have someone show up, but it's not going to be the same as um as the USDGC. And almost anything after USDGC is going to look and feel inadequate compared to USDGC. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know if that matters.
2: Um, and then an, another comment that I saw was, A, either people didn't understand the format, which I feel like of all formats, this is one of the easier ones to understand uh, personally. After all the years that I've seen you, uh, the finals at the Pro Tour Championships, this was the easiest to understand. But second of all, uh, one of the reasons that this format was adopted is so that all the best players would start out the week playing there. That was arguably one of the number one reasons this format was adopted because in previous that
1: didn't didn't do shit. I'm just saying in previous
2: (laughs) years, people would say, Hey, I'm not, I don't have a reason to be out there as much on say Thursday and Friday because Paul and Ricky and Calvin and those guys had buys. So they weren't there until the weekend. And so that was part of it along with the players themselves saying, we don't necessarily love the buys. Yeah. We would rather be out there and get a competitive round in on Thursday and Friday heading into the weekend. Now, of course, that that doesn't I, work out for every single player and it didn't, but that's part of the overall conversation is people having less interest in being there early in the week if the top players weren't there. I never bought that.
1: I never bought.
2: So when people said it outright, you you still don't buy it? No,
1: I don't okay. I don't buy like Sure, there are probably some individual people that are like, yeah, I'd rather see Paul and Ricky, whatever. But to me, I don't think that was a a huge... We have so many good players and personalities now over the last three to five years that I felt like, okay, cool. Yes, Paul, particularly, as well as Ricky now, I think even a little bit less, they have a following that people want to see them. They want to see the best.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sure, I mean... Did people not come because Paul wasn't there this this year? Maybe. I mean, that's. that's i sure not, there was
2: some. I'm sure there was some grouping of Do, people. Is
1: what? Is it a thousand people? No, no, no. So I don't think that that the fact that the that the top players weren't playing because I tell you what, the top players were still there. They just weren't competing. They were probably there early, walking around, practicing. Maybe there after practicing. If you wanted to see them, you might have been able. They might even have been there signing discs. I don't think that that was a huge deal for the the Thursday and Friday of the event. I think it has more to do, as we've said, with USDGC and people taking their vacation. If you're going to go to an event, you're going to go to USDGC. If you're going to take time off, that's the event you're going to do it for. Well, certainly. But the question is Saturday and Sunday. Most people aren't working. Why weren't there more people there Saturday and Sunday to me? like I I, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe it's USCGC, burnout. Maybe maybe it's anything. But I I, I never particularly bought the idea that there w- we weren't getting huge crowds because the top players weren't playing. I don't think I and, don't think it was a matter of huge and, crowds, or that's and, solely a re- the reason. And I know some of the players they preferred to play. I'd love to know the the numbers, and I don't know if we'll ever know of players that liked the buys versus didn't like the buys. Yeah, that's a good question because uh, Simon probably would have liked to buy into the into the finals. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, it seemed I've, like
2: most of them didn't from yeah, what and, we've and heard.
1: I'm okay with that. If the play, if this is the way the players want it to play, then I'm all for it. it. To me, I don't really care who plays what rounds. But as I said, we have so many good personalities these days. Yeah, but I I, I, don't, I don't I don't I don't think it matters. I do
2: think it does matter for the simple fact that people still go to an NBA game and when so and so isn't in the lineup they're all pissed off. When when somebody sure. comes goes to a, if I went to a Milwaukee Bucks game and I I wouldn't get this way cuz I'm not a passionate fan, but if I went to a Milwaukee Bucks game and, and Giannis. uh and Gian, Giannis, Giannis, yeah, 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 Giannis, I'm a big fan. Uh Clearly. didn't play. I, I wouldn't be, I personally wouldn't be pissed off again. I'm a bad example, but I, I, there's people that get really ticked I, off. Yep. Same thing. Of course, in all of our professional sports, yeah. when someone's sitting out or not playing for any given reason, whether uh, it's a coaching decision or just a organizational decision that they're not playing, the fans are mad about it. And so oh, yeah. fans want to be able to have the opportunity to see and. I think that factored in. I don't think it was the number one factor to changing the format. I don't even think it was a major
1: factor, but I think it, it's a, it definitely think it's a, was a factor. I think it's a very minor factor. But.
2: So, nonetheless,
1: uh, I guess we'll see, and we'll see. Uh, we said it earlier. I don't know. Moving it? Do you think moving it out of Charlotte is a good idea? Further away from Rock Hill? Is it like Atlanta? as funny as it sounds? That might be the that might be. A and very legitimate answer. Going to Atlanta, going to Florida. Having going- a
2: different user or a different uh, spectator base that's maybe a little fresher, that mm-hmm. isn't going to have a USDGC, USDGC hangover. That absolutely might be the answer. Good. Atlanta's like, far, no. Well, U.S.D.C. No, Atlanta's not that far. You
1: know, going over to ten. I was thinking, like, like yeah, going Atlanta over to Tennessee five. or into Kentucky, maybe somewhere, somewhere where it's within a few, yeah. like, a few but hours. You, but
2: to check all the same boxes that it's the difficult. Charlotte Club does is are difficult. very, very big they shoes to fill. That's why we've been there.
1: <laughs> yep, and they are phenomenal, and I would never ever question them. I'm just wondering if you know. I mean, we've seen it in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh is the other main place and that, we've seen That was pre that was pre-covid that mm-hmm. no one was even thinking of spectators really at that point. Yeah, it was, it was it wasn't
2: it wasn't it was And an, Smuggler's Notch when it was there was also It was an
1: afterthought spectators. You know, Everyone expected about 50 people.
2: <laughs> yeah, and the fact of even having in in uh you know w- there's a lot of uh, it's not a secret that going up to Smuggler's Notch for a weekend isn't inexpensive either. Uh. So th- there's all these different pros and cons, and you want it to be warm enough so we're not being threatened with snow. So there's a certain region and section of the country uh, of which it's really possible, and without being too far from Rock Hill either. You're you're not going to have the finals over in Phoenix nope. after just playing in Rock Hill. So, again, a lot more... Smarter people are in charge of those decisions that aren't named Terry or Johnny. No, but uh, well, we can give our opinions.
1: That's what we do. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's yeah, our... Whether that's, they want them or not. No, whether they want them or not. This is literally <laughs> our job. Um, last uh,
2: Next year, of course, the Champions Cup is listed in Appling uh, to be held in Georgia at the end of October. And two weeks prior to that, as in the week after USDGC, currently still the Pro Tour... Uh, championship is slated for Charlotte, North Carolina for 2024. Hmm.
1: For, I wonder what format they're going to pick. I wonder does <laughs> it changes every year and I don't, I don't we, care the way I'll be watching it shall or see. directing it or doing something. But uh, uh, do you want to talk about other news, Terry? Millard? Yeah. What other news do we need to, uh, some of the big business news that was announced as hmm. we talked about with Ricky Discmania was officially, purchased, acquired by House of Discs. That's the same company that owns Latitude, that owns Castaplast, that owns Dynamic Discs. Now, technically, not technically, now Discmania is under their umbrella as part of their branding, so to speak. So we now have a, a conglomerate so to speak, of disc manufacturers. I reached out to our good friend, Dana, and just said, hey, does this affect you at all? How are you doing? Um, And he said, currently, no, it doesn't. He's just, you know, he's going to continue to grind away and happy he still has a job and all that other good stuff. And, you know, and from their perspective, it doesn't really change anything right now. He says, who knows what's going to happen in five or ten years. You know, maybe House of Discs goes public, maybe they don't, maybe they just grow the sport and kind of stay as a as private equity for a while. At this point nobody knows what their plan is, um what their long term plan, or very few people probably do, but um I wish they can they buy us? Can somebody No, I said please that they can buy skip ace for a few milli. Oh. Yeah. Smashbox is not for sale. Skip Beats. Yes though. it is. Smashbox skip bases, has a 50% <laughs> owner. Smashbox
2: is for sale. I can say that. Uh, it's
1: really cheap. <laughs> Trust me, it's real cheap. Yeah,
2: we'll give you a real good deal. Yeah, that's right. On um,
1: this. Yeah. Just so give, just we just give us some good salaries every year and we'll sit mm. and do this. We'll even maybe do more podcasts if you give us good salaries. That's what they want. That's what that's what everybody wants. But anyway, House of Disks now owns. So it brings in some interesting questions. We are getting into the off season. Mm. We're going to see a few players that are have their contracts up for renewal. Eagle Is Kyle as well? I don't think I so. Know, I think no Kyle resigned through like 2026. Um Eagle and Gannon I think are the two real big names that we're talking. Mhm. Does someone like we'll just say a we'll just say a latitude does that now limit our players' movement abilities that maybe and we used to see it kind of hinted at it with Innova and Discmania that the players never really went back and forth between those two companies because they were cousins so to speak well now we're they're a little closer i would say they're siblings between Latitude Discmania DD do we not see eagle have an opportunity maybe to go to one of these other companies because they would not try to poach him, so to speak, from one of the parent one of the other sibling companies. So have we now in theory, not we, but is there a restricted free agency for some of these players? Limit more limit more limited options? Like Or does House of Discs just say, guess what? Eagle, you're gonna you know, that's fine, you can go to latitude. But there's no longer probably a bidding war. Why that wouldn't make sense as to why latitude would try to outbid disc mania for eagles Uh, services it
2: wouldn't it wouldn't because you still have those they're individual brands uh, exactly you still have them as individual brands and i think that would be one of the conversations yeah when you have the overall same parent owner so to speak though yeah you're right it feels counterintuitive to say oh hey latitude will offer x and then this mania comes over and says well I'll offer x plus y to keep you mm-hmm. i that's a good question and and does that make other brands if that's the case does that make other brands outside of the house of dis that much more I don't want to say lucrative or competitive or appealing maybe Um, if you're on the outside of not being in in part of House of Discs, you know, namely your – For now. For now. (laughs) Your Innova and your Discraft are the two big ones that come to mind that aren't part of it. Yeah, will, will, will there be more or less bargaining power, or not? But there's also probably something to be said about being underneath that overall umbrella of House of Discs, where there might be other intrinsic or or back end deals or values that somehow are worth more. Maybe that you know kind of counter that. I that that's a really good question. Or, or
1: are we going to see, you know, and I don't know if this is even possible. I'm sure everything's possible. A player sponsored by House of Discs that can then throw anything in the brand. Sure. You know, cool. Eagle is the quote-unquote the first player to be sponsored by House of Discs, and he can throw anything from Discmania to Latitude, DD, Mm -hmm. uh, Castaplast, whatever else they make. (laughs) Um, I'd be curious to see if we're going to see anything like that, and then that his salary, so to speak, doesn't hit any individual brand yeah. Their bottom line. I don't know if that's truly a possibility, if that's anything that they're looking at, but I was thinking that today that are we going to see less options for players when they're all when, when half of half of our major brands are under one umbrella now. Mm-hmm. You know, so now you've got Discraft, Innova, House of Discs. Like those are your really MVP, those are your really big manufacturers that are vying for players. Obviously. Lone Star is still out there, Legacy is still out there. we've got uh, thought space is still doing things, but you know these are all companies that well, thought space still has their disc manufactured by somebody else. Mm-hmm. you know infinite does the same thing, it has their disc manufactured by someone else uh, i I'm curious to see what it does to the market in general and and what we're what we're going to see um, Maybe Smashbox should start making frisbees who's who would make our frisbees?
2: No, we make them. Let's get some injection molders. Ooh. Just okay. start with one. Would one fit down here in this room? Uh yeah, no people would, but if we could <laughs> the machine itself would fit. Okay. A uh, small one. We could get to fit. We just couldn't work it on either we the can, left or right okay, side of okay, it. Well, we'd be able <laughs> to I mean, I've got a basement. There's a garage. Over we could there. put it in your garage. I don't know. I mean, I this were molded in garages. Uh, they for Quite a few yeah. years. I've, I've visited a few of them. No, I so
1: I don't want it in my garage, particularly because I like to park in my garage in the winter. Oh, so I mean, we, we'll be
2: fun. fine with temperature cooling <laughs> when discs come out, uh, and it's 102 in Wisconsin, and then uh, six months later, it's it's negative. Know, negative yeah, negative <laughs> 10. Our our quality, our consistency will be through the roof. It will be like you've it. never seen before. That's for sure. <laughs> we need some ventilation. Eh. Shh. Oh really? OSHA's not visiting us. We'll be just fine. Don't don't you worry about our operation. Yeah,
1: you keep your nose to yourself,
2: there, Ray. Don't, don't, the, don't, the, don't the you smash operation. Uh The other big news that we saw today, and I did not process all of it. Uh, but long and short of it is that the results of public comment on proposed rule changes for twenty twenty four have hit the PDGA. Uh, and then it goes on to talk about, in fact, I'm going to put it in the but, chat as I say, we
1: speak. Most of the things that we talked about earlier in the season just got pushed through. Um, players, the major one, I think, is players. Every player needs to keep score now, right? That's one of the big yes, ones. Yes, and you also do not have to be a
2: member to play in a C tier. I feel like that was one of the other big ones that kind of got, I guess, negated in a, in a better, for lack of a better phrasing. um. Talking about your speed of play, I think that was discussed uh, in terms of what your 30 seconds looks like. I heard somebody say that that got more clarified. Um, I'm just kind of scrolling real quickly to see if there's anything else. Uh, one of the big ones, too, if a player is uh, le- later deemed to be absent for the first hole, uh, misplay, blah, 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 does not apply. The Only the player receives it for being absent. There was one along the lines of... You need of,
1: to check in five minutes yeah. before your tea time with a PDGA official, I think at the, uh, at your, at see. events
2: using a staggered start with scheduled tee times, players must also check in with the starter no less than five minutes prior to their tee time each day. Players who do not check in with the starter by this time receive two penalty strokes. How does, so essentially your, how does that work with a B-tier? your like, two minutes becomes your five minutes. <laughs> you know, a two-minute warning yeah. like we used to have. in a, Not really. But, yeah, you, you now have essentially you're on notice five minutes prior to your tee time. What do you mean with a B tier? I mean, if it has a staggered start.
1: Yeah. like You may not have a starter at a B tier. It might just be show up to your team. At- you have a starter. No, 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 because it's yeah.
2: staggered start. It's not shotgun. Yeah.
1: I know. So you you have to have somebody. Really? You can't just say, all right, players, you're teeing at, at 905. Just show up and tee up if, at 905? If you don't,
2: you are do- you are doing it wrong. I, I, I understand. Because they have but- to have like all the scoring information, which I guess maybe went out in an email. I just can't imagine not having a starter if you're doing like literally somebody like, should be standing there. You would think so, but I mean, it's a B tier. You've run B tiers with, and I people. can't imagine not I, none like, of them, none of them I, probably have I, probably been, you would still, you would need a starter. Like you would think. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So that, that is uh one that was kind of there. Um,
1: <laughs> hey run. We'll talk about that in the after show.
2: <laughs> um, so anyway, those are out there. Proposed rule changes. I guess the long and short of it for me is the PDGA set out what they were going to do to change rules, uh, You know, kind of all the proposed rules changes. Then they had an open forum where people could submit their feedback. People submitted feedback. A lot of people just talked real loudly and bitched and moaned and complained and probably didn't do anything. But mm. some people, it's God bless you, some people took their feedback. Right, wrong, or indifferent, took their feedback, provided it to the PDGA. The PDGA listened to said feedback and, and probably swayed and and uh you know was influenced by said feedback and then now is moving forward with some rules changes. Like kind of a beautiful not not philosophy, just a a a, a, a process, a beautiful a process, process? Yeah. as to how it can and should go. And if you didn't provide feedback, now you may have provided feedback and they they still may not have gone that way. Clearly, if 50 people sent in something one way and, and 51 people sent it in another, just because the 51 sent in doesn't mean they necessarily went that way. But the point is there was the opportunity to provide some feedback. They listened to feedback and it looks like they've made some significant adjustments to what they had originally proposed. I don't know if you can ask for too much more than that. So. Um, and I don't get paid by the PDGA to say any of that. I just feel like that seems like a pretty logical <laughs> adult-like way to move forward with it. So uh, there we go. Uh, Darren said, I've played without a starter. We expected someone to be there, but no one showed up. So we just like teed two minutes after our tee time. Uh, I get it. I just personally, if I'm going to go through the effort of hosting an event that is a staggered, Start event. I can't imagine not either me or someone else. Like I, you're doing a poor job. Like I'm, I'm just going to say I, that you are doing a piss poor job of running your <laughs> tournament. If you're having staggered starts with tee times and you don't have someone there officially starting them off,
1: so what happens if you don't show up five minutes before your tee time? Like just starter? said you get a yeah. two stroke penalty. So I, I here's what I'll say. That is going to go. That that's that's going to work just fine for major events. I, I would be hard-pressed to see if we'll ever see a stroke from a B-tier. I just... I can't imagine... I feel like it should happen once, and then you'll learn your damn lesson. Uh, so, and again, here's what I'll say. You're the starter, because it's your B-tier, Terry. Mm-hmm. Group shows up. One guy shows up two minutes before the tea time. Not five minutes, but two minutes. He's there in plenty of time. You're stroking him? Sorry, you're getting You stroke. should. I know you should. Per
2: but, the rules,
1: you but, should. But... but I mean maybe
2: maybe especially in year number one. I, I, when I, I send out my notes the day before the tournament yeah. and I say, Hey everyone, excited to have you. There's two hundred of you tomorrow in big bold letters for maybe the second or third or fifth time, I say, please remember yep. check in with the starter no less than five minutes before so that we, we are all accounted for. And if if I just don't see these it. people are mostly adults. Uh, mostly. Or they're accompanied by oh, one oh, usually.
1: I just don't see uh I see this as a, um, an, um kind of a fallback to something. Obviously, with the the Luke Humphreys issue that we had this year, mm-hmm. like this is probably almost almost in direct relation to it. More than likely, a response to it. I just don't think anyone's going to do it. Like, I think everyone mostly people will show up five minutes for, But I think that if someone doesn't check in and rolls in three minutes before or two minutes before, as long as they're not late to their tea, I kind of feel like...
2: You just have to pretend like late to your tea now means... Four <laughs> four minutes and fifty nine seconds shy like I, of it like is, means wife, you're late like to your not,
1: If we're not five minutes early, we're late. Yeah, so I <laughs> so. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I just agree. I, Somebody no will be problem. made
2: example of. Wait till it gets. Wait till it happens on a big event yeah. early, and then somebody's made an example of it, like sure. some yeah. high profile player.
1: Uh, Darren Eck has a good point. Can I can I show up an, an hour early and say, I'm here, Walk I away. would Yeah, that's at least and your then,
2: five minutes. You've checked in with the starter.
1: And then not show up until, like, literally it's your turn to. <laughs> I would assume the starter should,
2: in some capacity, either A, remember, or B, put a little dot next to your name. Yeah. It was like, oh, I saw Ricky. Yep, Ricky was here. He was here two hours early. That's fine. But you, you are to check in with the starter and be there at least five minutes out.
1: It says, and be there, right? That's what you're saying. Again, if I if I check in ten minutes early, but then wander away, I'll read it again. Yeah, read it again, and then show up at A tier events using this. At A-tier this, events. this says
2: A tiers, okay. but so B- uh, so this wasn't you know, at A tier events heard. using a staggered start with scheduled tee times. Players must also check in with the starter no less than five minutes prior mm-hmm. to their tee time each day. Sure, players who do not check in with the starter. By this time, receive two penalty throws. This is recommended for staggered starts with scheduled tee times at uh, for staggered starts with scheduled tee times at all other tiers.
1: I just think it's it's funny because like someone said, I I, sh- I show up that morning an hour before my tee time. I walk over the start to be like I'm here, and then you wander away. Yeah, and, and all the players then are are walking up to the tee now teeing, Terry Miller. Terry Miller tees. Everyone's looking around like, oh, that's weird. John hasn't showed up. Yeah. John hasn't now showed teeing. up. Now yep. teeing. Now teeing somebody else. Then John just kind of walks up and is like, hey, I'm here. Like, it just, it would be. It's. A I strange. mean, in
2: theory, you should also be there You're to sure watch isn't. your card mates throw. That's yep. part of the rules. That's part of the rules, yep. Yeah. So.
1: I mean, I'm just saying that there's, it's weird. It's, it's I don't th-
2: I don't think it's as weird. And and truth be told, let's be real here. As much as we've already beat yes. this to death. Oh, yeah. Truth be told, most players, most 90 plus percent already want to be there 5 yeah. minutes ahead. Oh, yeah. This isn't not this is not much of a stretch. No, if it's 30 not. minutes,
1: I'm just poking holes at this. If
2: point. 30 minutes was the requirement, you have a different discussion. But we're talking about five minutes prior to your tea. I don't think that's crazy as an
1: expectation, personally.
2: Yep.
1: Uh chiming in on the board is Eagle McMahon actually says he just got home and he's about to go to sleep, but maybe he'll join in uh to the podcast in the next week or two. So that would be great. I know Eagle had talked about uh some sort of shoulder surgery uh for I think an impinged impingement. Something along those lines. So obviously <laughs>
2: labia, sh- the right word. What? I'm just
1: what did you say? <laughs> no, I don't whatever you said, I don't think it's the right word, Terry. <laughs> um uh, and uh <laughs> arm arm
2: <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> No, okay, guess no, not. No. Nope. I couldn't think of it. That's that's fine. probably not it. Nope. Let me know. let me Google it. Should I Google it?
1: yeah it, it, it impinged labia impinged
2: labia impinged that was i i didn't remember hearing that word impinged how do you spell that
1: uh i m p i n g e d
2: labrum, labrum. is that the, is that the word i don't know what it is labrum Im, would make sense impinged yeah. oh shoulder hey is that the yeah. right part of the no, body
1: the the correct term is labrum labrum yes see that's why i'm not not, a doctor yeah not labia (laughs) that is a completely different part of the body terry
2: see this is this is the only reason that kept me from being a doctor is i couldn't remember the words
1: yeah well either way for your impinged labrum we wish you the best eagle and uh when you when you labral tears yes (laughs) that's (laughs) (laughs) oh <laughs> um, guys this is my co-host this is my friend for 30 years and i
2: still uh, i think i got it figured out that's yeah okay. anyway
1: Woo. all right Woo. anyway um yes so eagle we wish you the best anyway um, be safe another announcement even though we did make this we did break the news last tuesday
2: yes the exclusive
1: that the exclusive news if you were here you heard it first uh Pablo, Genesis, Macbeth. They made a, a formal announcement with a few posts this week. Um, and we wish you nothing but the best, Paul and Hannah. Of course, we told you that last week when we broke the news. Gosh. Um, now
2: the internet's... No. Now
1: everyone knows. I couldn't keep it a secret for that long.
2: No. <laughs> Dan says you have to uh, speak Latin. Uh, that's that's not how, happening either. I don't think so. Um, yeah, any uh, Yeah, Eagle said on the 26th or 27th. I was just thinking of when he said his surgery is which is coming up in like a week or two. I I think what was the maybe the big takeaway from him announcing that, uh, A that it was happening, but then B, I think his exact phrasing was it's almost a an elective surgery at this point. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I know that Eagle has gone through all of these different approaches and these i don't want to say attempts but all these different strategies for how to get this under control and and possibly get it fixed well good luck and and i I don't mean mean that in a negative way i mean like good luck just because we just know that this has been an ongoing issue for so long yeah and hopefully this is maybe the the thing that I don't want to say ends it, but yeah, I guess that's the best way to put it. Ends any kind of pain or any kind of... Discomfort or... Yeah, frustrations that go along with it. Because there's probably always a certain degree, especially with someone who throws so hard, there's probably a certain degree of just sheer hesitation with damn near any throw when you're in that much pain. And you're talking about... Or you've been in that much pain, and then you're always just constantly thinking in the back of your mind, "Oh man, if I did this, could I potentially re-injure myself?"
1: So and, whatever in general any yeah. surgery has the potential for complications. So uh, we're like we said, we're hoping for nothing but the best for Eagle. Yeah, and, and we'll we'll catch up and definitely uh, figure out what uh, how that went and what's going on. So. When, when he when he joins the show and he has no arm, well, no, it's like I'm gonna throw lefty. Guys. I guess I that'll answer that question, yeah, won't no, it? No. Um,
2: and the sad part is, for the rest of the world, is it, it wouldn't probably take long for him to become a profession a proficient lefty thrower as well.
1: Oh God, he's he. I mean, I know is, he already can, yeah, he already but can. I'm just saying, like,
2: like fully compete left-handed. Yeah. And we saw what Will Schusterick obviously had done uh, at the USDGC as well with now being able to putt lefty, uh, just. In, insane it would be crazy
1: it would be crazy all right is
2: there any uh the other quick news that we can reference as much as i didn't do uh the research i would have liked to long and short of it though is udisc has officially announced their own rating system ratings and we should just have them on i feel like i, I almost reached out earlier today I think very soon we should have them on and discuss it more in depth and what people think of it, how they arrived at it. I'm sure there's uh, obviously articles and things written about it. It would be great to get one of them to give us their actual take on it. But long and short of it is UDISC is essentially announced their own rating system that comes with using UDISC. I think it's only with UDISC Pro. Correct Is what I saw. I know I got and, an email I for think
1: it. The, the ratings are different than the PDGA ratings. It's a different scale. Co- yeah, completely. It goes from like... Zero to I think 300 400. Mm, I think I think if, we know. I think if you're around 300 or right about there, then you're almost pro level. So I don't know how high that goes, to be honest. But I, I believe if you're around 300, it, you're, you're at like pro level. But it can go, I think it can go higher than
2: let me read you just a few bullet points because oh, I, I got the email here so today. What you need to know. U-Disc round ratings are only available to U-Disc Pro subscribers. That's me, it says. That's me, too. Round ratings are powered by AI using a model that has been trained on millions of rounds scored with the app. The system is based on holes and courses, not a field of tournament players, which is very different from the PDGA's, uh, one of the main core components of the PDGA rating. The scale is 1 to 300 plus, providing benchmarks for everyone from beginners to pros and then it goes on to later say 100 is great for a beginner, 200 more experience, 300. Elite performance will performances will trend from the 250s and up with 300-plus representing the kind of performance legends are made of. So there you go. Which, Wait, you didn't use the PDGA ratings? And it goes on to talk no. about that. So PD- we'll break it down more and have that discussion. Actually, I'd be kind of interested to go out and maybe use it one of the maybe even this week but uh that is new uh I'll give it a week or two i'll be excited to really get a lot more feedback from people and see
1: what they think of it uh and someone i saw someone say that they had scored a few rounds and they felt like a 200 was about uh, a pdga 900 is kind of right around there obviously not one for one but kind of close to what they equated like he's like i shot an, i know what this course is i know what the ratings generally are I scored about a 900 PDGA, it gave me a 200 in UDisc. It it also means you need to make sure to keep your course accurate. Like I think about Dretzka Park where, you know, you you could just put threes for everything and not care about whether oh, which position is this in? If you care about your rating, your U-Disc rating, you want to make sure that that's accurate because you know, a 200 a 220 foot shot is going par 3 is probably going to be scored way different than a 330-foot par 3 that goes pushes back and into the woods and off to the left. And it's a way different par 3. So looking at, you know, if it truly does look at each individual hole and how it's scored, those scores are going to be way different and your your quote-unquote rating would be different. So make sure if you're scoring with UDISC, you double-check that the pins are in the right position based on... Your course. And
2: yeah. Your course. I think of the simplicity of that for like a nearby course to us is like Sussex. It has yeah. 18 Ts and 18 pins. Nothing changes. Then you compare and contrast that to Dretzka Park, as you just mentioned. There's 13 long Ts. Yeah. 13 long Ts. Maybe even more. 18 now. <laughs> regular Ts. And then every pin has anywhere between one and five positions. So there's a, this infinite combo of what that course could look like on any given day or week. And uh, clearly, I I don't know how you just entirely does all of those details, but just just the fact though, that there's, you know, those two courses couldn't be any more different in terms of the capabilities out there At, at some point, if you want to be really smart and maybe they've already done it somewhere. There's going to be a, a direct comparison mm-hmm. chart or scale of like, oh, hey, this, two, this 210 you know, really is almost right on par with being a, a, a 920 rated round and so on and so yeah. forth. I think what's really another additional thing that's cool about this is with the emphasis that has been put on PDGA ratings, this will give everyone some alternative to look at. And maybe some people will gravitate to it. Maybe, maybe. they won't. Maybe they will. You know, this will be exclusively U Disk, and that's all it will get talked about. I <laughs> just think of all the other. Oh, is there going to be end of the year award for U Disk, uh, high rating, and all these other things. But
1: no, but I bet you, just like we see with Spotify, at the end of the at the end of the year, when you get your Spotify thing, like oh, you listen to five thousand minutes of, Britney of Taylor Spears. Swift. <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah, well. yeah, yeah, Taylor. Taylor yeah, 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 Taylor. Yeah, Taylor. I listen to her. <laughs> <laughs> um, I bet you they will give that will be added into your U disk because I think they've done that in the past sure. as well. Throw it into your U disk stuff. Yeah.
2: Uh, it, uh, good for them. Awesome to see. Um, and as someone else pointed on the board, I think it was Carney said, Disc Golf Metrics has had this for years. Uh yeah, I've seen that. I've gotten a disc golf metrics uh score uh once or twice in the past myself or rating. I don't know how they arrive at their ratings, uh how similar or different. I feel like they're on a thousand point, thousand-ish like base scale as well. Um and that they're and, and their own version of like they're more similar to the PDGA rating system than what this is. And I don't know, but yes, the I know they offered as well.
1: Adjusts for different course
2: I know I'm 973 rated on metrics
1: because you probably scored on there. Don't worry forever. about it. Don't worry how many uh,
2: I, I got a thousand and one rating uh, the last round that I played using disc golf metrics.
1: Okay. Way to so
2: go. So I'm thousand rated now. That's what I'm tell everybody. Oh yeah. I mean, it was a really good round. Um, but yes, I did get a thousand and one rating
1: way to go, Terry. Yeah. I'm telling everybody that now. That's, good yeah. call. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you really should do.
2: What are you rated, bro? 1,001 for one round one, on yeah. metrics? Anyway. Uh, do you use it in Europe? Yes, I used it. I used it in Estonia. I also uh, was introduced to it in Australia uh, way back in like 2018 is when I was personally introduced to Disc Golf Metrics, and I know they've been using it. At one point, Disc Golf Metrics was the back end for
1: USDGC. Correct, because that was the world tour year. Exactly. When UC was doing uh, the Disc Golf World Tour, they decided to use metrics for USDGC, which honestly, to this day, um, the one cool thing about metrics that I, I, that everyone seemed to love was the scorecard with the Instagram videos linked right yeah, in Yeah, connection to connection it. or right to Instagram or Twitter or wherever it went. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people really, really liked that, and uh, and it would, you know, I'm not going to tell UDISC that that's what they should do, but it would be cool if they could somehow link that together but,
2: yeah I, I,
1: but it's a lot of work and and i know uh the world tour had like a specific person just dedicated to to bringing in those photos and tagging them and attaching them and it's more work than probably it's
2: worth. yeah it, but disc Golf metrics is a very very legitimate uh, a hardcore high-end scoring system that gets used yeah, in most places outside of the U.S. Uh, it, and that's something else that I also learned recently is if you're looking, and this is maybe my pro tip we can close out on the night, if you're looking for events to play in outside of the U.S., Disc Golf Scene nor disc, are probably your solution. Your best bet is to go out and, and look at uh, That That is where... Again, uh, almost all of Europe, and I think most countries have adopted it. So, uh, for now, that could change. Somebody's going to take over somebody else. Who knows? Should we start a scoring company?
1: Let me think. No.
2: All right, I'm going to sell it to. (laughs) I'm selling my half of the the company to the person that wants to start it. uh, Turning Smashbox into a a scorecard. Yeah. No.
1: No. I don't think I don't think
2: Ricky will lend me 40 grand
1: (laughs) that will not scratch the surface (laughs) all
2: right well then with scratching surfaces let's call it we've got a Smashbox uh, after show that'll come to you maybe on the shorter side but we're gonna have that for you tonight which will include and feature a giveaway of course as they all do for our Patreon subs another thing before I, I go is should we do what the Pro Tour and a number of other companies are doing uh, have done is make our chat, uh, exclusive to subscribers. No, uh, I don't know. I like that idea. I
1: mean, I think you should sub to us. Oh, I mean, ju- okay.
2: Our ju- chat here on YouTube,
1: just subscribers. Yeah, I would I that would, you have
2: to subscribe to us in order to then I would chat. not,
1: be, I would not be opposed to that. Yes. Um, because it doesn't cost anything to be a subscriber. I know there's a few pages where it actually costs you money to be a subscriber. Mm. No,
2: I, no, I don't want that. But, and,
1: and, and so th- there was some blowback from, uh, some podcasts where it was like well i can't chat unless i pay you or something like that no but just to just be a subscriber i would actually be okay is that too with much that. to
2: ask i don't know i don't think it is all right you guys probably are so it probably wouldn't even affect you
1: but maybe maybe not thank
2: you guys for joining us tonight it was awesome to catch up with ricky Waisaki. I'll make sure to fully dox him when I get to his house. <laughs> or you guys, I could show it off to you guys so you guys know exactly what you're renting when you take the Airbnb uh, tour over there. Uh, so thank you to him. Congrats again to Missy Gannon. I had reached out a couple times with Richie. Uh, Richie, Wow. Richie. With Missy. Me, me we and went back and forth. There was a a, a a slight lapse there. I know she's traveling, understandably. I think she also was with Nick and Matt last night, so hopefully she uh, gave you guys a lot of good insight there. Congratulations. She's welcome to join us anytime if she'd like. We'll we'll take her after a big win or otherwise. It doesn't matter. Anytime she wants. For Johnny V, I'm the Disc Golf Guy, and for Ricky Wysocki, our pro tour champion this weekend, congrats to him. We're going to stand down for just a moment, then we'll see you in the after show when you step inside the Smashbox.
1: Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashboxtv. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post
2: office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital
0: scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.